Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast. guys and welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host, Rob Gutton, and I'm joined as ever by Matt Turner. Matt Turner, how are you, good sir? Rob Goodwin, I am phenomenal as always. Thanks for asking. Another great week, another fantastic weekend. One little, little bump in the road, but before we get into that, let's talk about you. How's everything going with uh, the new job? I know you've been there for about two months. How's everything going with football slash soccer? I know that you've been back at the gym, so how's everything going with that? Yeah, not too bad. I'll be honest, I am currently sitting with a hot water bottle on my back because uh, I may have pushed it slightly too much at football last night, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, I'm getting healthier. I'm dropping some weight, so uh, that's always, always a plus. I am slightly concerned. Uh, because I'm at that stage now where some of my clothes are far, far too big and some of them are still too small. So I'm pretty much living in three outfits at the moment. Um, but, you know, it's a nice problem to have. I hadn't realised actually how much weight I'd put on. But uh, we're coming on the we're coming out of the, uh, out of the end of it, which is good. Um, uh, in terms of the new job, a little bit of a funny story. So um, I was talking... I don't know how, but the conversation organically in the staff room turned to wrestling and I don't know I didn't instigate this um I hadn't mentioned anything it just I don't even remember how it happened I think it was because a kid was wearing a knee brace and one of the teachers said he looked like Stone Cold Steve Austin so the sort of conversation moved from there and we were chatting about it and stuff and then um the woman who was next to me um as you know people people will do um just went oh my cousin was a wrestler and you sort of think, okay, cool, yeah, um, I'm not going to have known him. Um, uh, I didn't know him, as it turns out. His name was Robbie Dynamite, which is a great name. Um, but I was looking at his cage match. His cage match, he's got an 8.9 average rating, Whoa. which is quite Whoa. impressive. And then I was looking at his list of opponents. He has got some very, very interesting opponents. Now... Most of his stuff is the British Indies, um, but he's also done stuff for Dragon Gate when Dragon Gate briefly did their UK sort of expansion. That's the less successful version of Dragon Gate USA, um, and he also wrestled in Noah. So uh, yeah, I was very surprised. His list of opponents: Tommy End, otherwise known as Alistair Black, um, uh, David Finlay Jr., which I thought was quite impressive, and then. Apropos of nothing, Jushin Thunder Liger. I was, I was like, what the hell is this? But yes, he's retired now. 
But I was like, that's so weird. I was supposed to be doing work, but I was just literally trolling this guy's cage match profile. Um, I'm just going to get it up now because I know there was somebody else that I was like, this is wild. Um, but yeah, so uh, we were chatting about that. And then I found out that one of my one of my colleagues, their cousin, wrestled Jushin Thunder Liger. I think that is quite an impressive claim to fame, Matt. Yeah, sure is one of the uh, greatest junior uh, light heavyweights of all time. Someone that basically changed the way we look at professional wrestling over the last 30 years. Yeah, that's definitely an accomplishment not to uh, not to breeze over. So tip my hat to that uh, that gentleman. So that's uh, that's pretty cool, my friend. Sometimes you never know who you know. You know what I mean? Well, just looking at his cage match now. So he retired um, in 2018. I'm sorry, I oversold him. His rating is 8.5, not 8.9. I apologize. Um, so, like, you've got Hideki Hazuki. He's wrestled um, Hasegawa. He's wrestled Dean Allmark, um, absolute stalwart of the British Indies. Um, who else is he? Yeah, Tommy End in ICW. Minoru Tanaka. He's wrestled. <laughs> like, there's so many random people on this list that's just like, what is going on? I honestly cannot believe the amount of just random people on this list. El Ligero, unfortunately. Um, who else have we got as I go down this list? Wrestled David Finley a lot. Um, they seem to have been paired off in a load of house shows. Rampage Brown, he's wrestled, for those familiar with the uh, with the British Indies. Um, who else have we got? Avalanche. I'm assuming that's not the Avalanche of uh, of WCW. But yes, I thought that was uh, Hiromu Takahashi. That was the other one he's wrestled. Which, like, that's a completely random one. In fact, he's wrestled Hiromu Takahashi on several occasions. So yes, that was my uh, my interesting little tidbit. How is everything with you? Good, my friend. Again, great weekend. Kind of a little bump in the road, my man. I'm sure you saw one CM Punk blew out his uh, tricep and will not be on WrestleMania, my friend. So heartbroken because uh, we all know that his big dream was to main event WrestleMania. And we thought we had the perfect storm, my friend, with all the awesome things we have going on in our neck of the woods and Philly Mania. We thought Punk coming back to WrestleMania, he would have his WrestleMania main event match with another former Ring of Honor uh, World Heavyweight Champion. And in my opinion, the best wrestler on the WWE roster, other than Io Shirai, of course. And one oh. Seth Rollins. So it's like, oh, you know, just absolutely got it that, uh, you know, it just, just that was that was kind of the goal for him. But uh, unfortunately, it's just uh, what just as he said in his promo on Monday it was not in the cards. However, Rob, the good thing, my friend, is this past Sunday night, after trailing by 17 points at halftime, the San Francisco 49ers pulled off one of the biggest comebacks in the history of the NFL playoffs and now will be going to the Super Bowl to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Rob, I know that you don't follow American football that much. However, the Kansas City Chiefs are a phenomenon for several different reasons. Um, have you been paying attention to what's going on with the Kansas City Chiefs in the past few months? Now, the Kansas City Chiefs, I know, are a very good team. I know Patrick Mahone, I believe his name is, the quarterback. Um, yes. But I'll be perfectly honest, like most people... I'm afraid I am familiar with uh, the whole Tay Swift involvement in the in the Kansas City Chiefs, which I imagine is what you're alluding to. 
Yes. Now, uh, their their head coach, Andy Reid, is one of, if not the greatest coaches current day in football. Patrick Mahomes, I don't think many people will argue that he's the greatest quarterback in current day football. I mean, he's absolutely fantastic. This is his fourth Super Bowl he's going to, and they have a, they won the Super Bowl last year, so they have a chance to be, I think, one of only five or six franchises uh, in the 58 years of the Super Bowl to win back-to-back championships. Now, I think the San Francisco 49ers, their strategy is not to outcoach Andy Reid. It's not to keep Patrick Mahomes in the pocket and keep him throwing and put some pressure on him. I think people go go about this team the wrong way. I think you need to stop Taylor Swift. Now, obviously, obviously this podcast goes all over the world. San Francisco 49ers owner, Jed, Jed, Jed York, I am giving you the game plan of how to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs. There's a, there's a certain gentleman that has a house and you're, he, he lives in he lives in two different countries, sir. He lives in your country in England, and I believe he has a house in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is not that far away from Las Vegas where the Super Bowl is. You need to bring in the Prince of Darkness, Ozzy Osbourne, to run interference <laughs> on Taylor Swift so the 49ers can capture their sixth Super Bowl. That's what I think that they, they need to do. I will say for the record, Rob, you know, and anybody that's listened to this podcast for an amount of time, I'm a, I'm a metal guy. I'm Give me my Metallica. Give me my Slayer. Obviously, Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath is my all-time favorite. But I do have a teenage daughter. So I have heard a good amount of Taylor Swift songs, and I think that, that they're fantastic. I think she's great. I think she's a great role model for young women coming up. Not only that, but we, you do have a lot of diehard football fans, NFL fans, that are sick of seeing Taylor Swift on the TV. I think it's great for the sport, very much like a, a four chan for stardom. If we're going to put this all back into the stardom realm, got more eyes on the product, like a Logan Paul, like if The Rock does decide to come back at WrestleMania, it's going to put more eyes on a great product. So I, ha- I actually have no problem with it. No problem with it. So, uh, but the, yeah, that's everything that's going on this weekend. All right, that happened this weekend, and then Monday, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about it more in depth. We got some great news from our friends over at Funk Brewing, who hit an absolute home run in scoring us a venue for WrestleMania weekend for the live Stardom Cast podcast. Absolutely. We'll talk a little bit about that during the news portion, because in my opinion, it's the most important thing happening in the Stardom realm. Um, am I right in thinking that the Super Bowl is this Sunday or is it the Sunday after? Next Sunday, they usually take a week off. So, I mean, I guess technically the Super Bowl is this Sunday because Tam Nakano comes back, which is actually bigger than the Super Bowl. But. <laughs> yeah. How are the NFL ever going <laughs> to uh, compete against the Tam Road? I just I feel like they accepted the defeat and have moved. I think that's a wise decision, a wise decision for all. Um, and it also means you're not conflicted in watching uh, either the Stardom Show or the Super Bowl. You can now watch both in peace. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, however, it's been it's been a week in uh, in stardom. We're going to be talking about the second night of the award show in Takadana Baba, Rob's favorite ever venue from the 21st, which saw a phenomenal 13th anniversary tag match. One of my favorite tags that stardom have ever done. And we're going to be looking at the New Year's star show in Sendai, where, of course, we learned the full name of the brand new faction uh, consisting of Micah, Mina Shirakawa, Wakasukiyama and Hanako. And it is, it is a name. It is a name and it is a mouthful. Um, but we'll talk a little bit about that uh, when we get to the Sendai pitch show as well. But Matt, before we get on to all of the news, um, would you like to tell the lovely listeners 
about what's coming up on the Patreon this week. The Patreon, boy, it seems like I say this every week. A lot of fantastic content has been dropped uh, this past week and will be dropping probably uh, by this weekend. We released last week my full review of uh, Fukuoka Double Crazy FWC, Hazuki and Kagama, the 10 matches from their 2022 Goddesses Stardom tag run. That is up on your Patreon feeds, as well as Rob and I doing alternate commentary to a very underrated match of the MK sisters of Mayu Watani and Starlight Kid taking on the team of Ryo and Azumi. And again, uh, probably by the time you listen to this, give or take a day or two, that we will have released my interview, my roundtable discussion with one Allison Danger as we go into what our top five favorite tag teams, uh, female tag teams of all time are. Uh, Allison, of course, is always a hoot. Uh, we've talked about 20 minutes before we hit the record button and about a good five or 10 minutes after we hit the record button. Now, I do want to say that there are spoilers for the Iron Claw movie because we just start talking. She's like, Matt, did you see Iron Claw? Can we talk about it? I'm like, sure, spoilers. So if you have not seen the Iron Claw movie, you might want to fast forward a little bit through that part that we do talk about uh, the fantastic movie based on the Von Erich's life. Uh, Allison is phenomenal. I don't need to tell you, anybody that's listened to our past interviews or roundtable discussions with her. But she, she said as we got on the air, it might have been before I hit the record button, that it took her two or three days to come up with this list because she wanted to give us good content to the point where she had to call her brother. Now, her brother is former ECW and NWA World Heavyweight Champion and a current trainer at the WWE Performance Center, one, the one and only, the king of old school, Steve Carino. So Steve Carino actually sent his list in to his sister, Allison. So you get a little bit of a Steve Carino. He gave his list of his, his top three favorite female tag teams, which I thought were great. So that, again, that the audio of that should be on your Patreon feed by the time this drops, give or take a day or two. And then the video version should be up on your Patreon feeds probably in the next seven or eight days. And then also the what if. What if Saikamatani did not get injured in the 2023 five-star Grand Prix. That as well should be up on your Patreon feeds, probably, uh, again, by the time you listen to this or sometime this weekend. Just uh, And I made mention when I recorded my half of the what if is Rob and I, we, are, we just couldn't get our schedules to jive. So what we did is I recorded my portion of what if, Rob will record his portion of what if, and then Rob is going to edit them together and setting up to your Patreon feed. So that's all that is uh, up on the Patreon and then coming up next week, our alternate commentary. We go back to uh, stardom year and climax 2019 as Mayu Iwatani defending the World of Stardom Championship against Kagetsu. So again, a lot of phenomenal stuff up on the Patreon. And it's a bit of a, a bittersweet show because it's undoubtedly an absolutely fantastic show. But also it's the show where Hazuki retires for the first time. Um, we didn't know that at the time. We thought it would be forever. Um, and it's also the show before Kagetsu announces her own retirement. So it is a little bit of a bittersweet show. But that match in particular is absolutely incredible. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about that um a little bit of news then coming out of the stardom world not a terrible amount but quite a lot pertaining to julia now there's been um a widely labeled fake post going around for something that sean ross sap um apparently said he's come out and said i never reported this and it was an originally um, I believe was found on an old like message board post 
um, about how AEW didn't want Julia because she worked too stiff and she stiffed Willow Nightingale and didn't try and talk to her afterwards and all of it was nonsense basically so I'm not going to talk about it because it's not worth giving uh, any sort of sort of credence to it however um we have got some news on julia's departure um now as we all know julia is leaving the world of stardom to go to presumably the wwe um and that will be happening in the springtime now i was under the impression i believe matt was under the impression as well that julia would see out until at least the end of march um and maybe a few dates in April, including the Yokohama Buntai show that started running at the end of April, their big um, springtime show. However, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter has had this to say in relation to New Japan's Windy City Riot, which I believe is not only a sellout, but takes place on the 12th of April. Julia was advertised originally... Um, to be defending the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. I believe at the top of the card is Tetsuya Naito versus John Moxley for the IWGP Championship. So it's it's a big card, it's a sellout, um, but according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Julia is now off the show. Her contract expires in March and they originally wanted her to work here and likely lose the New Japan Strong Women's title, but she's told Bushi Road she was now finishing in March when her deal is up. Um, uh, let me just get your thoughts on that, Matt, first. Um, and then we've got a question from Darren that I wanted to ask in terms of Julia. Um, but this sort of... I want to tread very carefully here. I don't want to say that this sort of echoes the way she left Iceland, because I don't think it does. But... It seems like Julia is very determined that she is out of the company by March and there doesn't seem to be any wiggle room at all in terms of dates worked, does it? No, from what I understand is that they were trying to get her to have her farewell show at an all-star Grand Queendom show. And uh, she was, no, no, didn't want to. Again, kind of what we were kind of told and kind of hinted a little bit behind the scenes is that they know her contract uh, expired in March. At the beginning of the year, they were kind of, it was almost like a handshake deal where she didn't want to resign a new deal. She was going to work with Siren a couple more months just to get some storylines through and uh, then go off to, you know, whether she's going to be a free agent, whether she was going to kind of just do what Onagi did and bet on herself. But more than likely, we all thought she would be going to the WWE because they have expressed major interest in Julia, and that's the biggest wrestling company in the world. And, of course, why wouldn't they? Julia is a absolute bona fide star. Um, so now I understand that, uh, yeah, she's not going to be working All-Star Grand Queendom. She was, a again, you just mentioned she was originally advertised for this show in Chicago, said, no, my deal is up this uh, this date. And she's, she's holding true to it. She's holding true to it. They could have maybe possibly giving her a contract extension they're like hey we will pay you x amount of to work these dates and obviously they didn't we've been talking about the lack of communication especially at the end of last year just the lack of communication between bushi road and the wrestlers from stardom and i think this is probably one of them you know this is really something that they had a look at it's like okay we have this venue book for chicago who do we need for this show and they should have reached out to julia months months in advance to ask her like hey we know your contract ends this date would you work this date and this is what we'll pay you? Um, obviously, we don't know the insides and outs 
of the conversations that's happened with Julia and the brass of the people over at Stardom, or excuse me, Julia and the people at Bushy Road. You mentioned about is this kind of, you know, some people have said this similar to her uh, leaving Ice Ribbon. No, it's not, because if this was similar to her leaving Ice Ribbon, she would have been advertised for this show and then pretty much just no show, where she's basically saying two months in advance, more than two months in advance, I'm not going to be at this show. I'm letting everybody know my contract ends in March. So you still have all of February and all of March to, you know, get this belt off me and then write me off in the sunset the way that you see fit and the way that I see fit before I go to WWE or take time off or do whatever she wants to do because she certainly earned that right. So again, this is a lot of people have messaged me and you as well and asked us questions. Is this similar to leaving Ice Ribbon? No. Again, from what I understand, when she left Ice Ribbon, it was pretty much almost like leaving in the middle of the night where she's telling everybody um, over, almost 10 weeks in advance, my contract ends in March, uh, about eight weeks ago. It's literally as we call it, it's the end of January, crazy. My contract ends in March. So I'm telling you, two months and I'm gone. So at least this is, gives the people over at Stardom and Bushy Road a way to write Julia out of the storylines and whoever that she needs to put over on the way out that uh, it gives it gives time. So, uh, and you know, good on her. You know, it's her career, it's her life and she's absolutely earned that right to do what she wants. Yeah, and I think that's the crucial difference. Um, it was very much forced through in terms of the ice ribbon dismissal. However, this one, it is a case of my contract is up in March and anything past March was a handshake deal, so to speak. And actually, Darren touches on all this. He asks a question. A question for Rob and Matt. Oh, hello, Darren, by the way. Um, Julie was scheduled to work Windy City Riot, which we've just talked about, and dropped the strong tile and a few other dates she agreed in a handshake deal with Bushy Road through April. But now she's refusing to work beyond the expiry of a contract sometime in March. Does this potentially hurt her if things don't work out with WWE and she tries to return to stardom? Um, personally, I don't think she's doing anything wrong as her contract is up in March and she can easily drop the belt on a stardom show. Thought I'd ask as she left the Ice Ribbon on horrendous terms, hopefully no hard feelings between her and stardom. So a couple of things to sort of pick out of that, and now of course I'll throw to you, Matt. First thing, the sooner we get this New Japan Strong Women's title out of stardom, the better, um, because it's just been... There's no need for it, to be perfectly honest. So, yes, you can drop it on a stardom show, but I don't want it to go to another stardom wrestler. Just be a belt that is defended in New Japan of America shows. I'm I'm not interested in it. The only really the only real reason I'm interested in it in the first place is because Julia's fantastic and she's put on some great matches for it. Otherwise, I'm really not fussed. Um obviously you run that risk of burning your bridges, so to speak. <laughs> Again, Julia isn't technically doing anything wrong. And even though she said, I'm not working beyond the end of my contract, it doesn't seem to be an acrimonious departure. You know, the Ice Ribbon departure was an absolute debacle um, and took a long time to, from my understanding, took a long time to sort of legally untangle as well. Here, she's not doing anything wrong. If it doesn't work out in the WWE um, and she does come back, I think stardom would be stupid not to extend the hand because ultimately Julia is a star. And you are if you are going to blacklist her from the company or anything like that, I feel like you're only cutting off your nose to spite your face. 
you know, yes, we're not accepting Julia. That means that another company is and they're going to make money on Julia. Ultimately, wrestling is a business. And, you know, you look at the WWE, you know, and Bret Hart, for example, nobody left a company potentially on worse terms than Bret Hart and the WWE. He still went back. Time heals all wounds. If there is hard feelings when Julia does eventually depart, time will heal them. I fully expect that if Julia, for whatever reason, doesn't work out in the WWE, and I hope she does. For her sake, I hope she does, because she's a phenomenal wrestler. Okay, But I don't think the two departures between this and the Ice Ribbon one are comparable. Because I think, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of the entire thing with Ice Ribbon, but from what I understand, she's done a lot less legally wrong here than she did when she left Ice Ribbon for stardom. Ultimately, and I'll throw to you in a second, Matt, ultimately I'm devastated she's leaving. Great wrestler, did not get the red belt reign she deserved at all, seemed like a real drop ball. And I do wonder, had she been given a better run with the Red Belt, a more respectful run with the Red Belt, rather than just, you know, two successful tile defences, one of which was a double countout. I feel like we could be having a different conversation. But we are where we are. In answer to your question, Darren, you know, I know I've taken a long way around the houses to actually answer it. Um, I don't think there'll be hurt feelings um, between her and Stardom. Stardom have sent lots of different people to WWE EO and Kyrie, obviously the main two. B Priestley's another one who has gone. Uh, Jamie Hay has gone to AEW. People leave Stardom to go to different companies. Is it ideal that Julia is not wrestling at the big show at Buntai or at Windy City Riot? No, not ideal at all. But ultimately, this is an indictment of how Japan do contracts. You know, if you're going to do a year's rolling contract, you are going to have this issue every single year at this time. Had they had, as Matt said, is that if they'd had the foresight to go, right, okay, your contract's coming up in, say, I don't know, August, something like that. Okay, your contract's coming up. We know that you are thinking of leaving. However, we want to offer you a contract extension to work April so that you can do these two dates. Then we could be having, again, a very different conversation. But, again, the key point, the key thing to clip out of this is Julia's done nothing wrong, ultimately. She's just putting her foot down and saying, no, my contract ends in, in March. I'm not doing anything past March. So, no, I don't think she has done anything wrong, Matt. No, not at all. And really, there's not too much for me to add to that because you literally, you know, took the words right outside of my head. As always, my man, we're half a world away, and uh, I pretty much agree with everything that you said. Um, you know, as when Darren an uh, asked that question, pretty much everything that you said is what I was going to say. Other than the fact that, I mean, maybe it could be this could be a ploy, and maybe Julia maybe playing a little bit of hardball, maybe trying to get a couple extra bucks out of Bushi Road. Which, if she is, fair play to her. You know, she's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And like, no, we need to do it. Well, then this is the money that I need. If that's what she's doing, great. You know, that's awesome when you have the employee having the advantage on the employer. You know, and I always think I always think that's great because nobody works harder in professional sports than the people that are actually doing it, whether it's pro football, pro soccer, pro wrestling, and it's the owners and the managers who aren't taking the physicality. That Don't get me wrong, they're working hard, but they aren't taking the physicality 
that the athletes are, and they're getting way more money. I mean, maybe that's what she's doing. I don't think so. If it is, uh, you know, fair play to her. I think it's I think it's great. Let her go get those last two big paydays. Also, if you remember that it was kind of reported that Julia during the five star Grand Prix last year was working with a bruised tailbone, and just between uh, Utami getting hurt and Sai Kamatani getting hurt, she didn't really take any uh, she didn't take any time off. So maybe the fact that her body's just a little bit beat up, and before she goes over to here in the states to WWE, she just maybe wants to just run out her contract. You know, here's what I have going on in March. I'll put Suzu over, Micah over. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying. I think those are the two wrestlers that I think she should put over on the way out. Um, and then I'm going to rest my body, and then I'm going to come over to the States. Maybe that's what she's doing. But, no, she's not doing anything wrong. And exactly to echo your sentiments, my friend, um, that uh, Julia's a huge star. So if she decides this is the term she leaves on, in two years she wants to come back, it's a business. Uh, you know, the only thing I'm going to disagree with is you said that Bret Hart probably left the WWE on the worst terms. I'm going to say CM Punk and the Ultimate Warrior might have been a little bit worse. But regardless, that's another <laughs> debate for another story. Absolutely. Both, you know, there have been some acrimonious departures. Let's uh, let's leave it at that. I don't know whether Punk and AEW might actually be worse somehow. Um Scotty Wrestling, again, friend of the show. Um, uh, he's reported that Suzu Suzuki... Um, did an interview with Tokyo Sports and she said in that that she has got her eye on Mayu Iwatani and the IWGP Women's Championship. Um, she's also cast doubts on the brand new faction um, that we alluded to earlier on and the reason she's given is that uh, she believes it won't work with both Micah and Mina Shirakawa leading the way. So I just want to break this down. Obviously, Tokyo Sports is a kayfabe newspaper, so, you know, take all this with a pinch of salt. However, um, we know that there is going to be at least one challenge to Mayu Iwatani's IWGP Women's Championship reign, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. However, Matt, Suzu Suzuki versus Mayu Iwatani for the IWGP Women's Championship, are we finally seeing the IWGP Championship being treated as we promised it would be. Because if this is another defence, we get the match that we're going to talk about later on, on top of the Suri match, on top of the mercedes Monet match, you know, are we finally getting to a point where this is going to be a belt that is respected as opposed to one that was shoehorned in, which is certainly how it felt um, when Mayu took the belt. Yeah, me and you were texting back and forth when uh, this interview kind of popped up on the old social medias. I kind of said kudos to Mayu and uh, the brass over at Stardom that it's like this belt is really treated with so much disrespect as far as like the New Japan side goes. And it's IWGP, which is New Japan. You know, we didn't see it on the Tokyo Dome show uh, this, uh, you know, uh, earlier this month. We saw it at the Tokyo Dome City Hall Stardom show across the street and no disrespect to any of those matches that happened on Wrestle Kingdom. The best match that happened on one floor was Mayu versus Shiri. And I will die on that Hill, but uh, Mayu just, this is another feather in her cap of being one of, if not the greatest wrestlers of this or any generation, regardless of gender, regardless of country. I mean, Mayu can retire tomorrow, please Mayu. We hope you don't. And she's a first ballot hall of famer, you know, no question about it. The fact she's taking this belt that's been treated so disrespectfully, really pretty much since its inception, you know, since it started. She had that great match with Utami in the tournament and the Momo match in the tournament and the great match with Kyrie in the tournament. Had that great match with Mercedes. The Steph Fokker match was great. The Utami match was great. Again, we mentioned the Shiri match uh, at the, uh, earlier this year. 
the fact that we have a potential Mina match lining up, which we'll talk about later in the show, and a Suzu match. And not only that, I think I know two or three weeks ago they did a show in Tam's hometown and Mayu got the win in the main event and then Mayu called Tam into the ring to close the show. And they did a little bit of a tease for the IWGP uh, Women's Championship. And I really think that that is going to be the match that they're going to need to sell four to 5,000 tickets when it comes to All-Star Grand Queendom, especially if the fact that we don't have Julia on that show. So the fact that in the next handful of months that Mayu, again, match of the year, five-star match with Sherry we saw at the beginning of this month, we're going to get the Mina match, probably a Suzu match, and I think the Tam match. And now finally we're going to put some luster on this belt. And I think that has a lot, a lot to do with Mayu just taking this belt seriously and just taking it to a level that New Japan never wanted to present it to be. So uh, really just good on Mayu. Just really, again, it's just another feather in the cap of arguably the greatest women's wrestler of all time. And I think it's worth noting as well. I know we've said this before, but it is it does bear repeating. Mayu is not responsible for this IWGP Women's Championship flopping in its early stages. Stardom is not even responsible for the booking of this belt. You know, that all falls on New Japan. Um, There's been all sorts of rumors that, you know, people in the booking committee didn't want this belt to happen in the first place. And there seems to have been some sort of log ahead, which has led to us sort of be having a disparity between what the IWGP Women's Championship should be and when it's going to be defended and when it's actually being defended. What I am glad to see is that it is at least now being defended, whereas before it was stuck in some sort of horrible purgatory where Mayu was the champion but wasn't defending it because it wasn't being booked on any shows. So hopefully, you know, with the Suzu-Suzuki match on the horizon, with the Mina Shirakawa match, on the horizon, which we'll talk about shortly, with a possible TAM match. You know, those are three blockbuster matches. And if we get that, then maybe, just maybe, my opinion of the IWGP Women's Championship will change. I'm still down on it. I still don't particularly like the belt just because of everything that's surrounding it. Mayu has done wonders with what she can with that belt because she's Mayu Iwatani and she's damn good. But we will see. Um, I am cautiously optimistic, shall we say. And the second part of this, Matt, the second part of this article about um, uh, Suzu casting doubt on this new partnership between Micah and Mina Shirakawa. Every faction in stardom has a leader, a clear leader. Now, uh, we don't have one where two people are sort of jointly leading in a faction, whereas it seems, at the moment anyway, that both Micah and Mina and Shirakawa are co-opting this faction. Do you think that will work? Do you think there's going to be a power struggle, a power dynamic shift? What What is your opinion of how they are running this faction? And don't worry, we'll get to the name, or we'll get to the name. I kind of enjoy it. Obviously, Mike is the red belt champion, but we've been high on Mina for a long, long time. And Mina Shirakawa is, uh, she's more like the entertainer of the group. Again, she's phenomenal in the ring. Mike is very entertaining in her own right. They're both on a, you know, on a scale of one to 10, they're both tens. They're both just part of this stacked stardom roster. So I get it that there's no leader, but you may mention partner last week that what's one of the great things about stardom throughout the years is, just because you're not the leader of a faction doesn't mean you can't go for the main belt 
or a main belt. You know, you mentioned Utami won the red belt when Momo was the leader of Queen's Quest and Sherry won the red belt when Julia was the leader of DDM. So I guess you can kind of crown Micah as the leader, or you can just say, hey, they're co-leaders. And we haven't made mention, you know, Toro was the leader of Oedo Tai when Kigetsu retired. Toro was injured for, what, 14, 15 months, and Stardom had that really big boom period at the end of 2021 and 2022, where a lot of new watchers of Stardom thought that the leader of Oedo Tai was Momo and or Starlight Kid. And since Toro, you know, this past year, she's been an absolute tear, but you never make mention that Toro is the leader. Like, they never really don't make mention of it. And it's kind of has to be a reminder. Sometimes some people ask me. So, I mean, it's something they can touch upon. It's something maybe they can kind of have funny banter with, kind of like they did with Micah and Suzu before they got into their depths of going into the five-star. We're just kind of like funny stuff. They're kind of like pushing each other and doing this, that, or the other thing. They can kind of do that just because Micah and uh, Mina are so entertaining. I mean, I think if, if they say we're not going to have a leader – if you see Micah coming out with a belt and the belt that is the World of Stardom Championship, people are just going to assume she's the leader, and it, it'll just make things less confusing. So I think they can go either way with it, but um, it's, you know, I don't think they're going to say, well, Hanako is the leader. No disrespect to Hanako, but it's going to be you know a captain and co-captain of Mina and Micah. So whatever way they go with it, I'm fine with it. I think the uh, this faction... It's just, it's just started, uh, and obviously, I think very much like Donald Del Mundo, DDM, we're very much going to be calling this faction EXV, just to be a little bit easier on us, my friend. But I'm all for this faction, my friend. I, I really enjoyed what they're doing, and uh, hopefully we see Xena back in, because I know she didn't have any matches uh, last week, and I don't think she's got anything coming up this week. So hopefully we see her tagging up in this faction sooner than uh, later. Absolutely. Completely agree with you. Let's move on. Uh, Matt, to perhaps the biggest news ever in Stardom cast history. Um, would you like, my friend, to give the good people a little taste of what we're going to be doing? Um, as far as the Stardom cast goes, they're good, sir. Yes. Okay, so we have made mention, folks, that uh, about two or three weeks ago, I was uh, basically almost because of demand because a lot of people were saying, hey, we know that Rob is coming in for WrestleMania weekend. We had uh, the Stardom Show, which was announced. Again, perfect storm, folks. And to be honest with you, myself and Rob have been talking about this since late summer, early fall. I'm like, hey, I'm going to WrestleMania. Why don't you fly over? And just happened that there's a Stardom Show. You know, again, we just happened to get lucky with that. Just happened to be that more than likely Io Shirai, you know, one of the greatest Stardom wrestlers of all time, is defending the WWE Women's Championship on this show in Philadelphia, my favorite uh, wrestling city. So a lot of people were just like asking us and tweeting at us and tagging us saying, hey, you guys should do a live Stardom Cast podcast after the show. And a lot of it, Rob, I noticed in the comments when we did our live stream of um, All-Star, not All-Star, of Dream Queendom, people were saying, you guys should really do this like live at a bar during WrestleMania weekend. So again, we made mention this before. I reached out to my buddy Norm, who uh, is the owner of, very good friend of mine, the owner of Funk Brewing, who has done the Stardom Cast beer for us, the limited release. And uh, he said, hey, man, let me work on it. And Monday, he sent me a text message and said, I found a venue for us. So uh, he sent me the pictures, and it looks amazing. I put it up on all of our social medias, uh, all my social medias. Um, So if anybody hasn't seen the pictures yet and want to see the pictures, send me a message. I'll I'll send an email. I'll put it on your social medias, whatever. But it's called Jack's Bar and Grill, and it is located at 0.9 miles away from the 2300 slash ECW arena. So less than a mile away is this venue. And again, this looks absolutely gorgeous. I kind of had it 
Robin, in my head of what I wanted, right? And again, I'm somebody that I can, you give me an inch, I'll take a mile. Like I can make things work. But like when, when Norm sent me these pictures, I'm like, Norm, this is, uh, um, this is unbelievable. The fact that you're able to pull this off. And then he did tell me that somebody's going to get in contact with us about how to set up sound. Now I had a meeting with uh, our editor in chief, Sean, last week. By meeting, we talked for 20 minutes and then went and had wings and beer. But regardless, I had a meeting with Sean last week and he said, I can take care of all the audio for you. I can more than likely set up the mics, set up what we need to set up so this way we can record whatever you guys are saying and then release it as a, uh, pro- you know, release it then to everybody that can't be there in Philly, release it as a normal podcast sometime in the near future. So they did say that their sound setup, the way that that venue is wired is that the sound is set up for inside and outside. So I'm assuming more than likely that we're going to be doing the show inside. But I think they have a fire pit and something else outside. So if it gets too crowded in the bar or somebody wants to go outside, you'll be able to hear myself and Rob and Sean because Sean is going to be there. He is going to be hosting this event as well as the people over at Funk Brewing that um, you'll be able to hear all of our fantastic voices, whether you're inside, outside, if you're in the toilet, if you're anywhere within that, in that venue, you'll be hearing myself and Rob talk about stardom. We still have to hammer down the details a little bit. Again, we have the venue, Jack's Bar and Grill. Again, it's less than a mile away from the 2300 Arena. Obviously, I'll get with Rob. Um, I'll get with Norm, and we'll get the, with the people over at the uh, at the venue for the for the time. Uh, the Stardom Show runs from 3 until, I'm guessing, 6. We're thinking we may start the show around 7, 7.30. That gives everybody a little bit of time to uh, get their stuff together, maybe get something to eat. I will say that I think that everybody should eat at this venue because the uh, the food looks absolutely amazing. But, you know, give yourself some time to eat so this way you're not rushed. I know Tony Luke's famous cheesesteak place is just right down the road from the 2300 Arena. So if you want to grab your Philly cheesesteak and then come to the venue, that's what we're going to do. It's probably about an hour, hour and a half, give or take, after the uh, the Stardom show, as one will set, as one will uh, probably go live. We don't know how long we have. Hopefully, they they basically say, "Hey, you guys, go as long as you want," because we'll have a lot to talk about. So uh, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly excited. And uh, thanks to my good friends over at Funk Brewing for pulling this off again. They hit an absolute home run. And I know uh, I got to get in touch with Norm, but I know probably sometime in March we're going to have Norm on the show to just talk about you know his fandom of wrestling talk about how we got into the beer business and then to really just kind of hype up the show for us. So yes, this will be uh funk brewing is going, they literally done all the legwork for us. All we have to do is just go over there and be damn entertaining, Rob, because I feel that me and you are. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a little bit daunting. The fact that I've got to be entertaining, but I'll do my best. Um, it's exciting that this is going to happen. We'd love to see as many of you, as possible there we'd love to meet you we'd love to talk to you we'd love to chat all things about world wonder ring stardom and more importantly perhaps we'd love to drink some lovely stardom cast beer with you oh as well. yes that's right that's right rob that's why that's why we pay you the big bucks also um we are going to be debuting that'll be also be the launch party of the new stardom cast beer and again myself rob and norm We'll have to get together and figure out what we want for our beer, like the ingredients or what they have kind of, you know, in the vat, uh, you know, what they're going to be brewing. And then uh, the and the the label, the logo will be the new Sarmcast logo with with myself as Utami 
and um, Rob Esmayu. So that'll be the label that'll be on the beer. So it's going to be nice, Rob, that uh, you're flying over. You're going to have a heck of a Thursday. You're flying over and you're going to be drinking. You're going to go to your first stardom show, my first stardom show as well. I believe this is your first time in the ECW arena, correct? It is indeed. And trust me, my friend, I am going to be eating cheesesteak at that place. That's that's my <laughs> one thing. Stardom, that, WrestleMania, them are three. There it is. And then uh, later on that night, Rob, you'll be drinking a beer that has your face on it. Cartoon face, but your face regardless, my friend. Absolutely. And I'm hoping that you've still got a tin of the old Stardom Cast beer waiting for me as well. I have six of them, my friend. I, I oh. counted the other day. I, I have six of them because I want, um, for anybody that has that subscribers to our Patreon, my wonderful wife redid uh, po- my podcast room, and I want to get one beer full and I just kind of want to just put that maybe in like in a glass case so we have it. But I think I have six left, and I don't think I'm going to have any more until you come in, just to make sure that you have at least one available for you. Good man. Good man. So, ladies and gentlemen, just to recap, we are going to be going live. We are going to be doing this after the stardom show. We don't quite know, like Matt said, what time it will be, but we will be doing that. So we'd love to see as many of you. And we'll be hanging out, obviously, in Jack's Bar and Grill after the show for quite a long time if they serve wings we will be there 100 percent, we will be there um so come and say hi come and chat to us doesn't even have to be about stardom um but if you can make it we'd love to see you there if you've got a question we'd love you to ask it so uh yeah we'll talk to you a little bit then um let's start talking about some of these stardom shows then we've got two to talk about in total the first one we're going to talk about is the second night from takadano baba uh, from the 21st of january we did talk about the awards last week so i won't go over them again but this was in front of 391 people so a slight increase from the night before, which saw 369. This is 391. Um, the results for this show are as follows, and then we'll sort of go into detail about more matches, but mainly the main event, because the main event might be one of my favorite stardom uh, tag matches of all time. Uh, we open with a three-way tag match. The Queen's Quest team of Mia Wamasaki and Lady C defeated Rani Yagami and Rina and Sayaka Karora and Yuna Mizumori, Um with Mia Wamasaki pinning Sayaka Karora with the Tensai in 8 minutes and 37 seconds. Singles match then, May Sakurai defeating Fukikin Death with the Escar Go in six minutes and six seconds. Every time I see that move, I love it more. Um, the tag team then of Mina Shirakawa and Waka Sukiyama um, defeated the Stars team of Saya Ida and Yuzuki with Mina Shirakawa. For some reason, pinning Saya Ida, you had Yuzuki right there, Stardom with the glamorous driver Mina in 9 minutes and 38 seconds. A six-woman tag match followed. The God's Eye team of Suri Marai and Amisori defeated the Uweratai team of Natsukatora, Momo Watanabe and Ruaka, with Suri submitting Ruaka with the Suzaku in 11 minutes and 23 seconds. In your semi-main event, Megan Bain's departure match, Julia, Suzu Suzuki, and Mei Sarah defeated the team of Hanako, Micah, and Megan Bain, with Julia pinning Hanako with the backdrop suplex in 14 minutes and 7 seconds. And then in your main event, a special 13th anniversary eight-woman tag match featuring stardom 
homegrown talent. You've got the team of Utami Hayashishta, Sayaka Matani, Hanan and Maiwi Watani defeating the team of Hazuki, Azumi, Saki Kashima and Starlight Kid. Mayu pinning Hazuki with the Moonsault in 19 minutes and 44 seconds. Um, Matt will talk, I imagine, a lot about this main event in a moment. But what else on this card are you um, recommending to people? Rob, real quick, I don't have it in my notes. What was the time on the first match? It's 8 minutes and 37 seconds. I pride myself on doing that. For some reason, I missed that. I'm, I must have been distracted by a, a shiny spoon. Um, this whole show was pretty. This whole show was pretty solid. Again, May Sakurai, uh, phenomenal. I love the S Cargo. Again, let's let's go to that. Keep Rob in a in a, in a good place. Thoroughly enjoy it. Again, the whole show was really good. I know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this main event, and there's a lot of things I want to talk about this main event. But let's talk about this co-main event with uh with uh, with a uh, Megan Baines final start a match before she goes. Uh, I'm assuming uh, back to WR going to AEW. I don't know when she's going to pop up on screen, but basically it was everybody that she's been involved with really heavily over the last few months. I was in this match. Obviously she's been teaming with Micah as part of divine kingdom. We saw a lot of Hanako that uh, she's been in the ring with Megan Bain over these last few shows, which is good. It's a good rub for her to be in the ring, you know, with Micah, the world of stardom champion, and then being across the ring with Suzu Suzuki, the, uh, the winner of the five-star Grand Prix, Julia, who's pretty much done everything in stardom and may Sarah, who is uh, the current high speed champion. But I thought she did a very well, very good job holding her own there. Uh, we say that, I think I almost say this almost every week on the show, Julie did a great job giving Hanako a lot in this match. She does a great job of building up her opponents, whether they've been wrestling a year or five years, building up her opponents in the match, and then she ultimately beats them, which, again, I know I sound like a broken record. If she just went out there and squashed Hanako, didn't do anything, and then hits her with a backdrop driver, who did she really beat? But she made Hanako look like a threat in this match, and so did Suzu and May as well. But Julie just does such a great job of it. I don't think there's anybody in wrestling that does it as well as Julie. I mean, just brilliant psychology. Suzu and May, again, I, I, we were supposed to get that match with Aphrodite a couple weeks ago. I Hopefully we do get it somewhere down the line because I think uh, the Crazy Star team is such great as so great as a tag team. And they did a great job highlighting Megan Bain. This wasn't like, okay, I'm on my way out. I'm just going to just play the hits, have everybody do uh, everything else. She didn't. She literally left it all in the ring and good on her i thought this was a great match a great co-main event this actually hit the four star match uh mark for me my friend wow you really did like it um what about this main event then because i do want to talk about it because it was fantastic not only did we get a showcase of all of these stardom homegrown talents but we went from the teams having no chemistry whatsoever to then coming up with incredible tag team moves and incredible synergy within the teams. I loved absolutely everything about this match. It had the comedy that you you know you expect somewhat from the likes of Saki Kashimo, but everyone was involved. You got um Azumi and Starkid attempting a double drop kick on Sayakamatani, but because Hazuki is trying to help and is dragging her onto the ropes, it means that those two miss the drop kicks. And those little miscommunications are eventually worked out as part of the storyline throughout this match to two teams that are going hell for leather at each other. Mayu Iwatani and Hazuki is the singles match I want to see. 
absolutely phenomenal. I loved the fact that when we had the entrances, Matt, all of Hazuki's team gave Starlight Kid a massively wide berth. It really, really made me laugh because you could see, like, Azumi was a little bit like, oh, we're friends, we'll do, like, the heart or the star or whatever, and then they all walked off and left Starlight Kid on her own. And I was like, yes, a little bit of storyline, love it. Um, but overall, this had everything you could possibly want. It had hard-hitting moves, like Utami and Mayu, absolutely tremendous i thought mayu was probably the mvp of this match um starlight kid was tremendous hazuki brutal as always overall matt i can't say enough good things about this match it's it's the cream of the crop in stardom and they're the cream of the crop for a reason yeah, Rob, I don't have this noted. I just remembered it, so I want to make reference to this before I forget because there's a lot to talk about in this match. You remember in this match, I did watch it twice. I think I messaged you that I watched it twice, and we may do this as an alternate commentary sooner than uh, sooner than later because it was this good. I, I absolutely love this. Do you remember as they're getting towards the end of the match, all of Team Mayu, they all do a dive except for one person. Do I you, know do you remember exactly the, what you're going to be talking about. Uh, okay. <laughs> one Saeeda comes in the ring, and for, for no reason, Utami just kicks her, picks her up, and then dumps. Because Utami's like, I'm not a, I don't do a dive, <laughs> but I'll basically do the Megan Bain, uh, May Sarah spot. So now here's what I'm going to say. I know you were upset a few minutes ago when you talked about Saeeda eating the fall here. Technically, Saida was in this match, and she was on the because she was used for that spot. Saida technically picks up a win here, right? I mean, come, this counts, doesn't it? I mean, it has to. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, on the Stardom Cast statistics, it is listed as a Saida victory, and I think Matt, I'd go further than that. I'd say without that pivotal Saida. um interference in that match or participation in that match, I don't think Team Mayu would have won. Now, Rob, because of this big monumental win here and with CM Punk being injured and Seth Rollins not having a point of <laughs> WrestleMania, I think it makes perfect sense with me and you being there that Saeed and Seth Rollins needs to. I don't think it'll main event. And again, we'll talk about the EO Kyrie watch because I think now this opens up the door. <laughs> but I think Saida should wrestle Seth Rollins night one of WrestleMania. You know, let's 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 get going here. That's if anybody gets anything out of this podcast, three things people should get out of this podcast this week is you're entertained, that you will agree with me, Saida should challenge Seth Rollins for the heavyweight championship, and the 49ers need to hire Ozzy Osbourne in two weeks. That's the three things I think people need to go home with on this show. Um Rob, now, I knew this This match, majority of these stardom shows, when it gets released, it's like first thing in the morning here in the States. It's like 5, 6, 6.30 is when it usually goes up on Stardom World or that the fine folks that run the We Are Stardom English account put it up on the, uh, the Twitter for everybody to see. This thing was only up about an hour or two. I was getting tagged in and messaged that, uh, hey, you got you got to see this match you got to see this match this is i'm like okay i think i knew it was going to be good and i kind of forgot who was in it until they were doing the entrances and if you're we'll get the one small small negative thing that's uh, get out of the way before this match gets going i'm like now i understand what they did if you're going on power ranking we have team number one utami hayashista former world of stardom champion mayu utani former everything in stardom sayaka matani the greatest wonder of stardom champion hana someone in three or four years that's probably going to echo everything i just said mayu sai and utami 
Then on the other side, you have Starlight Kid, Azumi, Hazuki, Saki Kashima, all high-speed champions, and then everybody with the exception of Azumi, which is crazy to think about, former goddess of stardom champion. So I'm like, wait a minute. This Mayu team is insanely loaded. You have everyone with the exception of Hanan has held the red belt or the white belt, but nothing on the Starlight Kid side. I'm like, don't you think they could have mixed these up a little better and then you're like five six minutes in this match and like i understand why because the way that it, now they could have mixed this up any other way and it would have been great would have been is this good i don't know i don't think so because this match is a match of the year contender in my opinion it just worked with these teams i'm like oh i get it why they did that so i just thought that was that's kind of funny i loved how they started this match off with hazuki and sayakamatani we talked at nausea and we will talk at nausea about how great that match was march of last year with Sai and Hazuki. Not only that, but their matches leading up to it. The five-star in 2022, the multi-person matches. And I was like, oh, you know, here we go. You really could have started any combinations, but that one just made me sit up a little more. But yeah, I mean, it was great to double-team Sai and Utami. Just, again, Aphrodite, in my opinion, the best tag team in all the world. Um, Starlight Kid and Izumi, they worked so well together. Hazuki's violence. Saki Kashima coming in to be sneaky whenever it needed to be. Uh, Hanan looked great here. Every All eight wrestlers were great. But I will echo your sentiments, partner, that uh, Mayu was the MVP of this match, even though you can probably make an argument for just about anybody being the MVP. But uh, I made mention, I might have been last week or the week before, that my favorite stardom, quote-unquote, house show that I've seen on Stardom World was Aphrodite versus May and uh, Azumi. This one slightly beats it, which just goes to show you how on fire this company has been, especially since uh, Dream, or not Dream Queendom, yeah, Dream Queendom at the end of last year. I have this at four and three fourth stars, partner. And before I get into something I like to discuss with you, I'm just wondering what your star rating is and if there's anything that you like to add on. I give it four and a half. Um, it's an absolutely fantastic match, easily the match of the weekend and i encourage you to go and check it out because we need to be talking about this match at the end of the year i really really hope we still remember just how good this match is when we're talking stardom cast awards 2024 because it deserves the recognition and i just hope it hasn't started too early um uh, there isn't really much I want to add, I just, I loved the fact that these women do not wrestle on the same team very often, and yet the chemistry between them, and it really does showcase the talent in that ring that everybody was able to hit these fantastic tag team maneuvers. There was this brilliant wheelbarrow move that Hazuki's team did on Mayu, which was absolutely fantastic. It looked amazing. You've got Sayakamatani helping to kick um, Hazuki into the Dodon Pa. All of it just worked so well, and they were able to temper the comedy and sort of weave it into the match. Rather than forcing it, they managed to weave it into the match to make it part of the story. And it worked really, really well. And even like Saki Kashima trying to crawl away from Utami when Utami's beating the hell out of her. That was... <laughs> It's just, it's really funny. It wasn't hammed up. It wasn't ridiculously over the top. It just worked really well. And it worked in the context of Saki's cast, uh, character. Because ultimately, and this is going to sound horrible, Saki Kashima might be seen by some, myself included, as a little bit of an outlier in that group. You know, you've got all this talent on show, and Saki's in there as well, who might not have the accolades that the others do or will have in the future. However, I thought she played her part, as she has done, you know, since the Hiroedatai days and before. 
she played her part perfectly. And I thought the way that she she especially managed to mix that comedy with the actual hard-hitting wrestling, I thought worked really, really, really well. Now, what did you want to discuss with me, brother? Rob, do you mind if we talk about one Mayu Iwatani a little bit there, good sir? My favorite wrestler? No, how dare you? <laughs> um, okay, well, I, fi- I figured I figured you'd like to discuss. Now, as we record this, we're at the end of January. In my opinion, Mayu has not one, not two, not three, but four match of the year candidates in the very first month of this year. Singles match with Sherry. Tag match with her and Julia versus uh, Sayoriano and Micah from the Corkin Show. The Artist of Stardom Championship match where her, Hazuki, and um, Hanan challenged uh, God's Eye. And this match here. So you have four matches that you're match. And again, in my opinion, match of the year contender. One's a singles. One's a tag. One's a six person. One's an eight person. All different kinds of matches, all different kinds of psychology, all different kinds of partners. It'd be one thing if the tag match, the uh, the artist match, and the uh, eight-person match was like her and stars, right? Because it's like, oh, you know, her and Hazuki and Han, and they're all familiar with each other. All different partners. Now, Rob, my friend, I know that Han, that, yeah, Han and Mayu is your favorite uh, w- women's wrestler of all time. You think Mayu is the great? Correct me if I'm wrong. I know we've had this conversation before. Um, do you think Mayu is the greatest women's wrestler of all time? I I've, I know we've had this conversation, but I forget where you stand on this. From a completely biased point of view, because I can completely appreciate, um, you know, the very right case that someone like a Bull Nakano or an Aja Kong or a Mana Matiota or, you know, you know, someone like the Crush Gals, for example, um, are the best wrestlers ever. But because I've grown up or I'm living sort of at the same time as seeing Mayu Iwatani's career unfold, I am slightly biased in thinking that, yes, she is. There's no one that does it in wrestling at the moment like Mayu Iwatani, who can so effortlessly flip between uh, um, underdog babyface to uh, aggressive dickhead heel. And it's great. There's so few. So, yes, in answer to your question, Matt, yes, I do think that she is the best. Now, I've got on this podcast, it was a little over a year ago, where I said Io Shirai, in my opinion, is she's my favorite women's wrestler of all time. And I think she's the greatest of all time. And I know I had you and some other uh, folks say, Matt, maybe do a little, you know, you're not, you know, subjective. You can like what you like. Do a little bit more uh, research into the, you know, late 80s, 90s. Uh, Joshi, Joshi scene, and I did, and I absolutely loved what I saw with Toyota, with uh, Kong, with uh, Hokuto, with Bull Nakano, so on and so forth. Absolutely loved it, but I stand firm. Chance, I stand firm that I, I like Io just a little bit better because of her psychology, her pacing, uh, her stuff. Just I, I was able to believe in it a little bit more. Like just, I, I, not that there's anything wrong with those ladies that I talked about before. I think they're all great. I just thought Io was just a little bit better. As months would go by, I would say not only do I think is EO slightly better, but I would put Mayu at number two. We've had this conversation. We've done you know podcasts about it, that. I had EO number one, Mayu at number two. Over the past seven or eight months, I have Mayu at 1A. I'll say this. EO is having a phenomenal year in WWE. Again, we'll talk about the EO and Kyrie watch. More than likely, it's going to have a huge championship match at WrestleMania. She's had great matches over this past year with Bianca Belair, She's had great matches with Mia Yim, with Oscar, Charlotte Flair, so on and so forth. 
However, if you look at EO's body of work since she left stardom in 2018, what Mayu's been able to do since she left until right now, I think Mayu's body of work, again, EO's wrestling the bigger companies. I get it. Mayu's body of work is better. And I'm, what I'm trying to say, Rob, there's a very good chance if, if Mayu stays at this pace, I might have to knock EO off the number one spot. I've, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to join you and Scotty wrestling maybe in the next five or six months and agreeing with you that Mayu is the greatest women's wrestler of all time. Join us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, again, I am slightly. And again, I if you were to say Hokuto, there's no way I'm arguing with you. Like, sure, you know, there's no wrong answer. Absolutely. You know, a phenomenal wrestler, um, you know, Orisa Nakajima phenomenal wrestler but for me personally and we say this all the time that's the great thing about wrestling it is subjective for me personally it's got to be my you um but yes um uh, very long conversation in order to tell you all to go and watch it it is on stardom world now the 13th anniversary tag absolutely worth going out of your way to go and check out um let's have a look then at the show from sendai then which has just gone up on stardom world the show from the 27th of january now it is worth noting that on the show we've just talked about on the 21st mina shirakawa and wakasukiyama announced that they were going to wait to announce the name of their group um until they were teaming with Micah. And that happened um, on the 27th, as I've just said. New Year Stars 2024 in Sendai from Sendai Pit in Miyagi in front of 331 people. The results are as follows. Singles match. Meisera defeated Miyu Amasaki with the shooting star in six minutes and seven seconds. May Sakurai defeated Sayaka Kurura with the escargot in five minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, tag team action, Black Desire, Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Siorianu and Yuna Mizumori. Starlight Kid pinning Yuna with the star suplex hold in 10 minutes and 27 seconds. Tag team match, Julia and Suzu Suzuki defeated the BMI 2000 team of Natsukatora and Ruaka. Julia submitting Ruaka with the Bianca in 8 minutes and 15 seconds, a move I absolutely love. This match really interested me because stars and god's eye have phenomenal mm. chemistry but if you look at who is in this match and then listen to who got the pinfall it says a lot so 10 woman tag in your semi-main the stars team of mayu iwatani hazuki han and saya ida and yuzuki defeated the god's eye team of siori mirai amisori saki kashima and rani agami um in 12 minutes and 32 seconds with yuzuki getting the pinfall over Rani Yagami with that rolling arrow. She has picked up a tremendous amount of victories already this year. So stardom very, very high on Yuzuki. And then in your main event, the team of Mika, Mina Shirakawa, Hanako and Wakasukiyama defeated the Queen's Quest team of Utami Hayashishita, Azumi Sayakamatani and Lady C uh, with Mika pinning Lady C with the anchor of Toshi in 14 minutes and 54 seconds. Um, it's worth pointing out, Matt, that that match that I've just talked about, that 10-woman tag, was Yuzuki's 10th match of the year and is her sixth victory, which, when you consider she is a rookie, I think is quite an impressive feat. It's one of the best win percentages of anyone 
in the company so far, which again is very, very, very impressive. Yeah, that's a good stat, my man. And uh, it's a great job heating her up for obviously what we'll talk about at the end of the show as she has a championship match coming up this weekend against somebody else that's been on fire as a little bit as well as Rena. So that really makes the future of stardom match as stacked as the show is. And again, we'll get into it at the end of the show. As stacked as this show is, it really puts an importance on this match and the belt. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to see which way they're going to go. Are they going to go with a hot hand? or they're going to go with somebody that they know is going to continue to build that belt up. We'll, we shall we shall see, my friend, but Starvin's booking, uh, again, since the end of December until uh, right now as we're talking, has been nothing short of uh, pretty well perfect, my friend. And they're doing a great job building up all of these rookies. So, uh, yeah, it should be interesting to uh, to see where they go. Absolutely. I'm, you know, I'm thinking back, and you have rookies who will, you know, have a rite of passage, so to speak. You look at Lady C. She lost and lost and lost and lost. I believe at one point she lost something like 40 matches in a row. She'd had her seven-match series and then began to pick up victories and things like that. Wakazukiyama, famously, who went 100-and-something matches without a victory. May Sakurai, to a lesser extent. Even the rookies that we've got at the moment, Rani Agami, Sayaka Karora. Sayaka Karora, who's currently 0-9 uh, um, in all matches this year. Yet Yuzuki is not only getting wins in singles matches, but she's getting wins in tag team situations, in matches that include Suri, Mirai, Amisori, Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, and Hanan. So to have Yuzuki, the rookie, who only debuted in, what was it, November, I think, maybe? To have her yeah. pick up the victory, it really does show you how high they are on her and what their future plans are for this 18-year-old because they clearly see her as having a tremendous amount of upside. And quite honestly, I'm not surprised. She is very, very good. And I think this is sort of the best that they have really given to a rookie since maybe Utami. Because Utami was built as this sort of super rookie, and I don't think Yuzuki is there by any stretch, but it certainly has sort of echoes of that sort of booking where she is getting good wins. And yes, she is only pinning other rookies, but she did also pick up a victory over Hanako, who has been in the ring longer than her. So clearly there is sort of a, a hierarchy of the rookies, and I would argue that Yuzuki is almost certainly on top of that, especially after winning the Rookie of Stardom tournament early this year. What I'm really intrigued to see now is how Yuzuki fares against someone like, when she comes back, a Momokogo or a Miyu Amasaki or something like that, or a Lady C, for example, and who they'd give the victory to. Because in terms of tenure, it has to go to Miyu Amasaki, Lady C, and Yuna Mizumori and, you know, that sort of talent. However, the push that Yuzuki's getting, it would not surprise me, especially with this rolling arrow that she's breaking out. It would not surprise me if she was to get the win over someone like that. Would it you? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, and again, on these quote-unquote house shows, they've been doing a lot more singles matches. I mean, you look at... I, I do want to touch upon match one and match two uh, of this card for just, you know, a, you know, a few reasons. 
But do it here. Do a Yuzuki versus Yuna match, a Yuzuki versus Momo Kogo, a Yuzuki versus Utami. Why not? You know, to see how she's going to fare in there. Uh, the one thing, uh, partner, again, you as always, you pointed everything out uh, very, very well. You didn't make mention of the fact that Yuzuki now has her child-made uh, painted jacket. She so, does. Uh, she's obviously a f- official member of Stars. Yuzuki, you could have had the phenomenal robe that you see Lady C, Azuma, <laughs> all them have. But you made your bed, now you got to lie in it. Or you made your jacket, now you got to wear it. See what I did there? <laughs> You've uh, been thinking all day about uh, that, haven't you? <laughs> no, because because I really don't think, and the fact that I really just came out that on top of my head. If I put too much thought into something, it usually doesn't work out. It's kind of come out, kind of got to come off the cuff. Sometimes dumb luck, but uh, no, she's fantastic. And yeah, when this match graphic was put up, you kind of figured that uh, that it would have been somebody else from the stars that would have got the win. But it's like, okay, you know, why not? Why not push somebody else in this match? There's no reason not to. And I think that as the uh, the e, uh, EXV um, unit gets rolling and they're in these multi-person matches. It's easy to put Mike and Mina over. Is it something that they really need? No. Put Zena over. Put poor Waka over, for goodness sakes. Put Hanako over in this match. You know, have Mina. As Mina's been doing really since she started Club Mina, she does a great job setting her opponents up for, uh, for, for big moves. Have that happen in those matches. Anyway, long way of going about it. I love what they're doing with Yuzuki. All these other rookies are really, really good as well. I mean, Rana Yugami's fantastic. Rob, I want to touch upon match one and two, and then I'll throw it to you if that's okay. Of course. Please do. So uh, we had uh, May Sarah and Miyu Amasaki. May, you mentioned last week she may be uh, almost too fast, almost faster for Izumi. She kind of slowed her speed down a little, but at the same time, Miyu brought her speed up. I thought that match one and two, I thought were great. Are they going to make, you know, the year end awards? More than likely, no. But the fact that Miyu is able to almost go speed for speed, move for move with the high speed champion makes you kind of wonder with this high speed division really kind of having lack of challengers. If this is a match that they kind of revisit in two or three months with the high speed championship on the line, I think one will be a great match because I think this match was good here. And it gives Miyu Amasaki, you know, puts her up higher in the card. So I thought that was really well. Um, then we have Mai Sakurai versus uh, Sayaka Kurora. I thought this was the best we've seen Sayaka Kurora look. And it seems like I say that every week. And I'll probably be going to say that every week here on out because she gets better with each and every outing. And the fact that Sakurai is entrusted. Now this match only went five minutes and 30 seconds. But the fact that they entrusted her to lead this match and it came out as well as it did. And she, she made Sayaka look as well as she did and got her in the right spots at the right time. One, it just shows you that Sayaka Karor, very much like every rookie in stardom, is way ahead of where they really should be in pro wrestling. And the fact that they have Sakurai, who is now can lead a match instead of being in a match or having Julia kind of position where everything needs to go. Or if she's on the opposite side of Mahanan or Hazuki or Tommy, so on and so forth. That's like, okay, you know, we need May Sakurai to lead a match in five, six minutes. Clearly, they can do it. So, again, it just goes to show the depth of this roster. So, what do you think about those assumptions in match one and two? Completely agree with you. Um, I think, you know, I do like the fact that they are adding more singles matches to these cards, especially ones lower down on the card it gives them more stakes doesn't it also it helps to people to build momentum 
um, which I think is really important. Like May Sakurai, for example, is now 3-0 in singles matches. So you can see straight away that she has got this momentum building towards whatever they're going to do with her next. And I, I really do like the partnership of Meisei and Miyu Amasaki. Miyu Amasaki, who is really benefiting from an extended injury-free, touch wood, extended injury-free run. Um, and I think she's someone to keep an eye on certainly over the next six to eight months because it would not surprise me if she's challenging for the artist of stardom belts if we're seeing a tag team challenge with her and azumi wouldn't surprise me at all because she is another one who is improving hugely sayaka karora you know i said this before when the the crop of rookies debuted her rani agami yuzuki to a lesser extent i was a sort of i was less enamored with Karora, I felt like she was the one with the least defined character. However, she continues to improve leaps and bounds. That spear she hit on Mei Sakurai was absolutely brutal. It went through her. It was great. And if we can continue to see these little developments, these little improvements in Sayaka, then I am, I am more than happy to be proved wrong. I'm more than happy to jump onto that Sayaka train because she's proved over the last couple of weeks that she is really, really improving. Again, I do think that she is a perfect fit for Cosmic Angels, and I do wonder, with Tam returning on um, Sunday for the pay-per-view, I'm wondering if more movement will happen in terms of Cosmic Angels, especially with Natsupoi still being out injured and as not having a concrete return date for the fairy um what about the rest of the card man what did you like on the rest of the card my favorite match was match number three with the uh the black desire former goddess of stardom tag team champions and momo watanabe and starlight kid taking on the cosmic angels duo duo of sayori anu and yuna mizumori I have gone on this podcast several times and on social media, uh, letting everybody know how much I love this team of Sayori and uh, Yuna. Even though I think they may be like 1 in 10, the record is not that good, but uh, this match was excellent. Obviously, Momo is one of my favorites ever in stardom. I love how she's really found her spot as a great working heel. This match was set up really to build up Sayori and Starlight Kid, which they've been doing a pretty good job over the past couple of weeks, but this is pretty much going to be their last view, you know, for them to really sell tickets and sell pay-per-views on this match. And I thought Starlight Kid and Sayori had an absolute home run, and Momo and Yuno, Yuno, Yuna, excuse me, Yuna did uh, their job perfectly uh, fine as well. I like how they built up that Starlight Kid was trying to go for the Tiger suplex, the Sar suplex on Yuna Mizumori, and Yuna just would she kept locking it, she kept locking it, and it took a Momo Watanabe, you know, head kick and some Black Desire double teaming in order for Starlight Kid to finally hit the Star suplex to put Yuna away. Again, though, the crux of this match, the main part of this match was Sayori versus Starlight Kid. And if that's this is a little bit of a preview of what we're getting on Sunday, this is going to be another phenomenal match in the great history that is the Wonder of Stardom Championship. And I liked how at the end, after Starlight Kid got the win, she sat on the turnbuckle and did uh, Sayori's pose and mocked her. And then Sayori got into her face and held the white belt up. And I don't think Sayori knew this was coming. I knew that, like, they probably said this is the picture we want. Like, that's the photo we want, is we want Starlight Kid on the top rope above Sayori, 
doing her pose, and then Sayori putting the belt up to Starlight Kid, and then Starlight Kid properly snatches the the white belt away from the, from the champ. And I don't think Sayori knew that was coming. I thought that was a kind of little bit comedy bit, and you can see Sayori, at least character wise, she was a little bit of annoyed. And you can see Starlight Kid was like doing the evil James Bond villain laugh at her. I thought it was great. I had it at four stars. It was my favorite match of the show. And I'm also a huge fan of this team with Julian Suzu Suzuki. I thought them against the BMI uh, 2000 team of Tor and Ruaka was very well. Um, and again, we don't know what's, what Julian is going to be doing these last two months. Uh, again, teaming with Suzu Suzuki is a nice kind of way to kind of round about everything. But uh, we'll see if they have one final singles match. But uh, those were probably my two favorite matches of the show, Rob. Um, before we get into the main event and the tongue-twisting uh, mention of the new faction name, is there anything you want to touch upon that I talked about? So before we get on to the name, I do just want to talk about Mina's dance to Micah's entrance theme. If you That's had my e- first note. That's my first note. <laughs> if ever, if anyone has any doubts about the chemistry of this team, just watch that dance and the way they all come out. Good God, it felt like go time when she came out, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so Mina comes out and you're used to her doing the dance either her theme or the Cosmic Angels theme when she was part of Cosmic Angels. And you're kind of like, as soon as she comes out, you know she's re- she's ready to go, brother. She's ready to go on the dance. And I was like, they're playing Micah's theme. Obviously, she's the champion as well. This should be. I said, what's this going to be like? And she does a very, very mini version of kind of a, an original dance to Micah's theme. And I know you're a huge fan of Micah's theme. It's one of your favorite in the history of stardom. I was like, the fact that Mina's able to kind of choreograph a mini dance for Micah's theme because I'm assuming when we have these multi-person matches, they're going to be coming out to Micah's theme. She's ready to go. And then Waka comes out. She looks like she wants to dance. And then the dance is over. And she just kind of smiles and kind of pops herself. I thought that was great. <laughs> poor Waka. We love her. Poor Waka. <laughs> I do love the fact that even in the furore of this brand new unit, they're not forgetting the fact that Waka cannot dance. She really does struggle with the moves, and I love that because it just it's it adds so much to her character. Um, the match was good, um, as you mentioned. My probably wasn't the best match on the card. I do agree. I think that Vlad Cosmic Angels match was probably the best one on the card. However, it was not about the best match on the card. It was about their dynamic as a team, which was great. It was a great little insight into what the Red Bell match is going to be. On Sunday, Micah and Saika Matani getting a lot of time to face each other. And they started against each other as well. But Mina Shirakawa and Utami really went to town on each other when they were facing off. And Mina really seems to have been ignited in terms of her sort of ferocity in the ring. She seems completely rejuvenated for someone who was sort of floundering a bit completely not her fault you know the entirety of her unit was either out injured or had left the company so she was sort of left to flounder a little bit towards the end of last year she seems completely rejuvenated here and seems to be ready to properly take it to the next level and i'm very very excited for that um, obviously, Micah gets the victory, pinning Lady C with the anchor Atoshi. Um, however, we then get the announcement of the name. So the name of this brand new faction is going to be Empress Nexus Venus. Now, uh, that is going to get shortened to EXV um, or E-Nexus V, 
which is uh, which is another way of saying it. There are a lot of people say that that is a mouthful, and it is. However, that's nothing to the 2012 team of Kawasaki Katsuhika Saikyu Dinetsetsu, which Damn. yeah, I know, I know. Um, they that was a tag team which was the team of Natsukiteo and Yoshiko from back in uh, 2011. Um, there was also a stable, because uh, of course there was, which was Kawasaki Katsushika Saikyu Densetsu plus one. Like, how many words do you need? And that was Natsukiteo, Yoshiko, and Naki Asakawa. So think yourselves lucky, ladies and gentlemen, that you don't have to say that every time. Um, I did actually see, um, I believe it was Shupro, who ran a picture of both Micah and Mina Shirakawa with the new name underneath, and they had it as Empress X Venus, I think. I can't remember how they'd showed it. No, E Nexus V. That was how they had it. And it looked really quite cool. So give it time. If you're not a fan of the name, that's fine. However, it will eventually grow on you, and trust me, it will work. Um, but also, Matt... Mina Shirakawa challenging for that IWGP Women's Championship. Now, we have spoken about this because we have a very suspicious feeling that this could, in theory, happen in Philadelphia. And if it does, I'm afraid I might pass out. Yeah, um, I think I texted you and I said, hey, did you see the two big things that come out of this show that happened in the main event? You said you did. Um, they made, they were very adamant. They find folks over at uh, We Are Stardom and the Stardom uh, social media pages that the match is going to happen, but they did not set a date and time. Now, can they do this match at a Cork and Hall show to sell tickets? Absolutely. However, I think this is going to happen in Philadelphia. And here's the reasons why is I think this needs to be on a pay-per-view because it's a big, big matchup. Again, the Corkin shows the past, you know, five out of the last six, they didn't hit the thousand mark like how they usually do. So you can, can you put this on a Corkin and it'll sell 1200, 1300 tickets easily. Absolutely. But we have a pay-per-view this weekend, so that's already set in stone. The next two pay-per-views before WrestleMania, uh, the WrestleMania weekend, their, their show on the ECW Arena on 4-4, which, by the way, we were doing a live Stardom Cast podcast afterwards. Not sure if I made mention that before. Anywho, um, are the Cinderella Tournament. So can you put this on the final night of the Cinderella Tournament if Mayu and Mina aren't in the final four, if, they, if that's the way they, 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 that they do it, how they've been doing it since 2021. Sure, you can put that on there. But I think you really, and I made mention this to you when me and you were texting back and forth, you need a big match on that show. The show, if it hasn't sold out yet, it's going to sell out. You need a big match on that show that's going to literally blow people's mind. And if you read the ticket and the flyer, the show is New Japan Pro Wrestling presents Stardom. So, New Japan Pro Wrestling, they have the IWGP Women's Championship. Again, we know it hasn't been booked great. We talked about that earlier in the show. Regardless, I think they're going to want a New Japan Championship match on the show since they're presenting it. Obviously, Mayu is your champion. Nobody better to represent any wrestling company or any wrestling championship. Mina Shirakawa speaks very good English. And she can transcend into the English audience. I think that people that have never seen Stardom before or have only seen a handful of things, see Amina, see Amayu, that is your main event. I think that could, if that is the way they go, it could be one of, if not the best matches 
on the entire WrestleMania weekend. No disrespect to the fine wrestlers that will be making millions of dollars wrestling uh, inside where the Eagles play professional football at the Lincoln Stadium. But that would be the match I'm probably looking forward to the most. However, Rob, I'm going to throw something. Now, I, again, I'm about, and I don't know. I, I, I haven't heard or confirmed or anybody from stardom. That's something that I just kind of speculated. Me and you were kind of texting back and forth. And I kind of said, these are the reasons why I think this match is going to happen in Philly. The reasons why I just gave. However, Rob, I'm going to put something else on there as a co-main event match. Now, again, I don't know if this match is going to happen. This match was teased at the beginning of the year. Why not do it in Philly? Rob Goodwin, what would you do if your main event was Mina versus Mayu and your co-main event was Sayorianu defending the Wonder of Stardom Championship against Hazuki? They tease at the beginning of the year. Why not do it here? Stop it. Stop <laughs> it, Mark Turner. You're doing yeah, to me, boy. Yeah, brother. And again, you got to think about it, the perfect storm. We got a lot of things falling in our way, my man. We got the podcast coming up. We got the uh, Stardom Cast beer we're debuting. We got EO more than likely defending the WWE Women's Championship. Diet Universe Seth Rollins for the Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> I mean, let's keep going, buddy. Let's keep the let's keep let's keep the roulette wheel spinning, my man. We're we're we're, we're hitting double zeros over here. <laughs> Uh, much so I would love that to be the case um, I don't think that will happen I, I do think we will get at least one towel match on this um, Philadelphia show, I don't think they'll just do multi-woman tags, I'd be very very surprised if they don't have a towel match on there I mean, they've already sold out the venue, yes but I can see Stardom wanting to make this more of a thing more of a, you know every WrestleMania we're going to come to America, especially once they see the reception that they're going to get. So they're going to, go, going to want to give people something. So an IWGP women's title defense would make perfect sense. If we get an additional title defense, that would be perfect. Um, do I think it will be the white belt? Unfortunately not. Um, I'd love it to be, and I'd love to see Hazuki win it because, good God, nobody deserves it more. However, an artist of stardom challenge, maybe? I could certainly get behind that. Um, I think God's Eye would be a great tile defense for you know against anyone for that show. But we'll see. Um, just going back to EXV, how are you feeling about the name? It's a mouthful, but at the same time, I'm sure if I was doing this podcast back in uh, 2020, that I would have saying, said the same thing about Donald Del Mundo. But uh, a lot of people just refer to it as DDM. I think for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to refer this to as EXV or Empress X Venus. But, uh, hey, uh, you asked me last week when I thought the name of the team was going to be nice at Empress Venus. They just added the uh, the Nexus, the Wade Barrett-led uh, group, <laughs> uh, into the name. But uh, I'm absolutely fine for it. I'm sure that they will do well on merchandise because, first of all, it's Micah. She's fantastic. Mina Shirakawa always sells everything because she's great. So, uh, yeah, I got no problem with the name. I enjoy it, but... Um, probably won't be saying empress nexus venus that much on the show unless you folks demand it because we just do whatever you tell us to do absolutely we we are huge huge money lords so if you want us to do it we will do it um if they don't come out with nexus armbands coming out to in the unknown the proper nexus theme i'll be gutted um and also stardom i'm just putting this out there you drop the ball in not calling it boobs and beer so, um, you know, we gave it you, we tossed it up. All you had to do was knock it out of the stadium um, uh, and you didn't go for it. We can only do so much, Stardom. Hold on, Rob. 
maybe very much like you have Queen's Quest, but then you have like Aphrodite as Utami <laughs> and Saya. They can see what I you can do that very much like I was talking with the ambush because we were again we'll get into the EO Kyrie watch when it's like we were watching Kyrie and uh Asuka and, and it came up that you know, Kabuki Wars. She goes, I thought that was damage control. I'm like, no, that's the team name. She goes, so they have a sub team name in there? And I said, yeah, like Queen's Quest and Aphrodite. There you go, buddy. We can do it there. Why not? You know? <laughs> Imagine your winners of the 2024 Tag League, Boobs and Beer. Oh, it would be incredible. And if not, we'll just use it as the third towel for our Stardom Cast Beer. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on away from this show. Next week, obviously, there was a show on the 28th. Um, but that hasn't been uploaded to Stardom World yet, so we will tag that on to next week. Next week, um, and obviously I know we're not done with the podcast yet, I'm just giving you a sort of insight to what we're going to be talking about next week. We'll have the second show, so from the 28th, we'll be talking about that. We'll also have the show from Kyoto, which is on the 3rd, the night before the pay-per-view, and we'll go through that card in a moment. And then we've also got the pay-per-view Stardom Supreme Fight we have got on the 4th of February, live on pay-per-view. And Matt, how much better is it? And I said this last week, how much better is it having this extended time between pay-per-views to give feuds time to grow, time to build? Because before, a feud between Micah and Sayaka Matani with two pay-per-views a month could quite easily have been rushed and overlooked. However, here, it's been built it's been simmering, and now I am so ready to see them go at it at this show. Yeah, and the same thing with Starlight Kid and Sayurano. They did exactly. a great job building build that up. And then, yeah, we obviously, because there was so much going on in that main event between the name and uh, Mina challenging Mayu, and the fingers crossed we get that match in Philly. But a good crux of the match, they did uh, building up Mike and Sayakamatani, which they've done in previous shows as well. They're giving it time to breathe. They're giving it time to grow. Um I'm interested to see, you know, how much they draw on this show. I believe this is the same venue that they ran last year um, with with Julia versus Suzu Suzuki on top. Considering the fact that it's not rushed, there's not a thousand shows going on. It's properly built up, um, you know, just to see how Micah, she had that big, uh, the chase for the title. Now she's the champion. Can she draw tickets and sell tickets as the champion? So I'm interested to see that fact. And then obviously the match is going to be stellar and stardom, you know, like you said, great job giving things time to breathe for matches, time to build. Again, not only building up these two main event matches, but building up Yuzuki for her challenge against Rena for the future of stardom championship. Um, you know, I haven't been this, uh, I haven't looked forward to a future of stardom match this much since Hanan was the, uh, the champion. And that has nothing to do with the fact that she had the banger of a theme back then. But regardless. Yeah, I'm still not used to her coming out to that theme. It's just like, oh, for God's sake. Um, just for comparison's sake, the 12th anniversary Supreme fight, which was sort of used as their anniversary show as it is this year, exact same day uh, or exact same date last year, uh, drew in 1,800 people, 1,832 people to be exact. So that's the number that stardom are certainly going to be aiming for it would not surprise me if stardom outdrew this um simply because they are not oversaturating the market in the same way as they were last year because don't forget this was sort of smack dab in the middle of the triangle derby so there'd already been a whole host of shows um, and that was a good card. 
don't get me wrong, you've got Sai Kamatani versus Momo Watanabe, you've got Seven Up versus Mai Himi, which was great, Chihiro Hashimoto versus Mirai, and then of course Julia versus Suzu Suzuki, but I argue that this card that we have got coming up might be better, and I think Stardom are going to do well off the fact that they aren't sort of clogging up the airwaves with even more shows. I think that's going to play an advantage. So don't be surprised if they hit around this number or even exceed it. We will see. Um, we'll go through the card then. So the 4th, sorry, the 4th, the 4th of February show, Edian Arena Osaka, 13th anniversary, Stardom Supreme Fight. Um, the full card we and sort of talked about last week, um, but we'll go through match by match and sort of give our predictions and things like that. Um, in the opener, at the moment, it doesn't look like there is a pre-show match, but if there is, the chances are it will be this one. Um, a three-way match, Mace Akarai versus Hanako versus Rana Yagami. Uh, Matt, I feel like you've got to go for Hanako in this one, haven't you? Part of a brand new faction in EXV. Um, Rana Yagami is in there, bless her, to take the pinfall, I feel. Um, and even though they are hot on Mace Akarai, Stardom have also shown that it doesn't matter if May Zachariah doesn't win. She will still do her shtick at the end of the match. So I'm looking forward to seeing the hat and how big it has grown. Um, but I do think Hanako, just to give her a little bit of a boost as being part of this brand new faction, gets the win here. What about you? Yeah, uh, it should be interesting. Again, you got Hanako and uh, uh, Rana, who are two rookies. And again, I mentioned a little bit ago that Sakurai is able to lead a match with ru one rookie. Can she do it in a three-way, which they're tough to do because they're not even numbers, with two rookies? So that's going to be interesting, but I agree. Hanako uh, really needs the win here. She's part of the new faction. It'd be a good way to uh, to kind of build up the faction, considering the fact that I don't know what's going to happen in that other tag match, which we'll get into. But yeah, Hanako is here to uh, get the get the win over Ron Yugami and then Mae Sakurai will do her shtick. So everybody will play role in the finish and the post-match. <laughs> Absolutely. Six-woman tag team match then next with the Queen's Quest team of Lady C and Miyu Amasaki teaming with Sayaka Karora taking on the Aweta tag team of Natsukatora, Momo Watanabe and Ruaka. Uh, Matt, who have you got and why? I am going to go with the Oedo Tai team. I just think because they're more cohesive of a unit. And you have two of the main eventers here, you know, with Momo Watanabe and Ruaka. And uh, no disrespect, you know, I love me some Queen's Quest, but we have me, you, and Lady C, who are not the main members of uh, Queen's Quest. But I think Sayaka Karora will eat the fall. Uh, this should be a good, entertaining match. I don't see it going too, too long. I just hope we get a Lady C and Momo Watanabe chop kickoff. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to say the Oedo Tai team picks up the W. I am just going to say I can't believe that you've just referred to Ruwaka as a main eventer. I'm assuming you no, mean no, no, Tora. No, no, no. Yeah, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm sure he means Tora. Um, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think we talked a little bit about potential challenges for the artist of Stardom Belts, and we were looking at Weathertai as a, a solid defense. Um, I is Ruwaka going to be a part of that team? I don't know whether they'll put Tora, Starlight Kid and Momo together as a proper Oedetai A team. I don't know, but I think Sayaka Karori, you know, I mentioned it before, is 0-9 in matches this year. I don't see her um, getting the victory here. I think she is there to eat the pinfall. Um, it would be nice to see Ruwaka get the pinfall just because she does eat a lot of pins 
for Awanatai. We have a tag team match next with Amisori and Saki Kashima taking on the Wingori team of Saeeda and Hanan. Hanaru's got a brand new graphic on this match card looking absolutely fantastic. Um, Matt, who have you got here and why? This could be, you know, get as stacked as this card is. This is one that kind of low-key can steal the undercard. Wingori, one of our favorite teams in stardom. Saki Kashima does a great job with her, sh with her shtick. Amisori has been great coming off the five-star. And again, we talked about letting things breathe. Hanan and Amisori have this low-key, really violent feud going on at the beginning of this year. And then you have in this tag match. This is a tough one for me to pick because you can obviously them having Amisori getting a big pinfall uh, victory over any of the members of Wingori or Saki Kashima using the Kishi Kasai. But um, I guess a tough one to call, but I'm going to say the Wingori team wins, but really flip a coin on this one. Yeah, it's a difficult one because even in the artist of stardom tile defense um, where Hanan was the one to take the pinfall, Amisori sort of stoked that fire a little bit post-match. So there's clearly something building between those two. Are we building towards Amisori and another partner going for those new blood tag titles again? Maybe. I know Wingori have already defended against the uh, rival Tokyo Towers, Amisori and Lady C. So maybe not. Maybe they'll give someone else a chance, in which case maybe they'll give Hannon her win back over um, the God's Eye team. That's the way I'm going. I think Hannon will get the pinfall over Amisori, but you never bet against Saki Kashima in multi-women matches. I would not be surprised if God's Eye walk out of this as, uh, as the winners of this one. Um, the first of our title matches... And one that has the potential to really blow away this card, and that's the High Speed Championship match. May Sarah, the champion, in her fourth title defense against the challenger, Hazuki. Um, I mean, Matt, I think May Sarah is going to retain, but this I am incredibly excited for. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this on paper, if you're like, calling this as a 100% shoot, like an MMA fight. Zuki's the favorite in this match, just because she's the more seasoned veteran. She has had a lot of success with the high-speed championship. She's way more violent than May Sarah, but to be honest, she's probably more violent than, you know, some kaiju monsters, because it's Suzuki, <laughs> and we love her. But yeah, I mean, it's what does Suzuki gain by high-speed championship reign? I wouldn't be... If they're like, hey, you know, we have nothing really for Hazuki to do, let's have her go back into the high-speed division and do, like, high-speed violence. I'm all for that, but I think May Sarah is the perfect person to keep elevating the belt that Azumi did such a great job in 2022 with in the high-speed championship. I'd say May Sarah wins, but this is going to be a don't blink and you'll miss it, and you'll probably get hit right in the head with some crazy Hazuki violence. Well, we've also seen May when she's wrestling these, you know, harder hitter wrestlers. We saw the not the matches with Nanai, Julia, so on and so forth. That she really does a great job bringing, you know, a lot of hard hitting action to her high speed offense. So yeah, this is going to be a really good one. But I see uh, May retaining here. Yeah, I do as well. It, over or under, Matt? Do you think this match goes over or under, say seven minutes? Um. 
I'm going to say it goes over. And I hope it does just because these two are great. Can they have an entertaining match in five, six minutes? Yes. We've seen Hazuki when she was the high-speed champion. She was able to do that. But I would like to see this match get eight or nine minutes or even longer to go out there and tell, tell their story. But regardless, if it goes five or six minutes, it's going to be a five. It's going to be one of the best short matches you've ever seen. Of the four title matches, do you think this is the most likely we are to see a title uh, title change, or do you think that could be the next match, the future of Stardom Championship match? The future. Yeah, well, let's talk about that now. So we have got the future of Stardom Championship match with the champion, Wiener, who is on 264 days as champion, making her fifth title defense against Stars' Yuzuki. Um, I agree with you, Matt. I think if we're going to see a title change on this show, and I'm not sure we're going to, but if we are, then I think it's going to be here. However, Rena's been doing brilliant work with this future belt. Um, are they ready to have her lose the belt and be pushed into something new um uh, at the mo- i don't see why they would at the moment there's no pressing urge for her to be pushed into the you know into the lower mid card that artist and goddess sort of region because she's not on the card full time she's still at school you know it makes perfect sense for her to just remain the future of stardom champion for me anyway um you know you put it on yuzuki yes it's going to be on every show however I don't feel there is the need to take the belt off Rina yet. Or am I just being naive, Matt? You're absolutely right. At the same time, they've done a great job. You know, we talked about it earlier, building Yuzuki up. If you're asking my pick, it's Yuzuki, but I'm not really sure on it. And there's a couple matches on this card that I, I feel that way. Um, you know, it's, I'm really not sure which way they're going to go. I think they're in a win-win situation. You know, you have Yuzuki red hot. Probably the hottest rookie they've had since Utami. And Utami's doing fairly well for herself. I don't think anybody's going to argue with me on that point. Um, but at the same time, you have a lot going on with Arena with that future belt. You know, you've set up a future match with Miyu Amasaki somewhere down the line. At the same time, they could have Yuzuki win it. And then at the next blue, New Blood show, they run it back and have Rina win it. I know Stardom really doesn't like flip-flop titles like that. But it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they did that with the future uh, Stardom Championship with... Uh, with Yuzuki and Rina. I'm going to say Yuzuki wins it, but I would not be shocked if Rina uh, retains, which again is great booking because you built Yuzuki up, you know, over these last three or four weeks on these shows, giving her good outings, giving her good wins. You put her with stars and then just to build her up to have Rina beat her. I got no problem with that because I think Rina's absolutely fantastic. Interestingly, then, we have got Tam Nakano's return match. I know this is Matt's main event. Tam, oh. Tam returning to action for the first time since October, having vacated the Red Belt. She is teaming with Cosmic Angels, Yuna Mori, taking on EXV team of Mina Shirakawa and Wakasukiyama. This is a difficult one simply because you've got EXV, who are the new hot upcoming faction. You've got that feud between Tam and Mina that I am more than ready for them to rekindle and for Mina to get her win back. But also, it's Tam's return match. So uh, do you go 15-minute time limit draw? Or do you have Tam pin Waka? Or do you have Mina pin Yuna? This, for me... Of all the matches on the card, this is the hardest to call. 
Whatever the result, though, it is so good to see Tom on a card again. Rob, I totally agree with you. You made mention a little bit ago that um, you think that stardom is going to draw eighteen more than 1,800 people. And I think if, if it is, I mean, kudos to the matches on top, but I think a lot of the drawing, whether they get to that 1,800, whether they get to 1,500, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Tam's returning. It's creating a lot of buzz having her back. I, we joke into the whole me and Tam thing and how much I love Tam, and I do. I think Tam's great. We lean into it a lot for a bit for the show, and it is kind of funny. But at the same time, you can't deny that she has absolute star power. And stardom has definitely been suffering a little bit with her off the card. I think they're going to do well with her on the card. Now, originally when this match was announced, I was like, okay, this will be great because Tam Tam's back. It's a win over Waka. But now you have this new faction that you're putting a lot of stock into. Do you have them lose here? Then again, at the same time, it's Tam's return. I don't see Yuna getting the one, two, three. I don't see Waka getting the one, two, three. It's either going to be Tam or Mina. This is a tough one to call. I'm going to say that Mina beats Yuna. And then thus afterwards, we have a little face-to-face confrontation with Tam and Mina, thus building to a special singles match with the two of them. Obviously, they've had, when Tam was a wonder of starting a championship match, before Mina really exploded into the phenomenal worker that she is now, you had that match there. We had the double title match uh, back at Flashing Champions of last month. I know I say this a lot. A lot of people didn't agree with the decision. I agree. Go watch the match. It's a great match. Rob and I have done alternate commentary on it. It's a phenomenal match. You don't need a champion. You don't need a title match between Tam and Mina. It can be just a special match that you put on a show. At the same time, what if Mina defeats uh, Mayu for the IWGP championship match? And then you, you put it there. There's a whole bunch of several ways that you can go here. I think that it doesn't hurt Tam at all for Tam's team to eat the L here just to heat up the new faction. Again, this is, I agree with you, partner. This is the toughest one for me to call. I'm going to say that Mina gets the win here, and then we really start to spark another Mina versus Tam feud, which I am all for. Let's move on then. We have got the uh, 13th anniversary special eight woman tag match with the team of Mai Wiwatani, Utami Hayashishita, Azumi, and Nanai Takahashi. Uh, taking on Julia Siori Mirai and Suzu Suzuki. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, we're the winners. Um, and I feel like if there is a match that's going to go to a 15-minute time limit draw, it's probably this one, Matt. Um, but I'm actually going to go for Julia's team. I think Julia's team are going to win. Um, uh, and I think they're going to pin the Nitak. No, of course, they're not going to pin the Nitak. <laughs> I think Julia is probably going to pin Azumi. Or actually, no, I, I think Suzu is probably going to pin Azumi. However, it's going to be a great showcase match for Stardom without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I am going to go with a time limit draw on this one because, Rob, if you were to take this graphic and turn it upside down and zoom in on it, you actually see Rossi Ogawa's hat. I'm totally joking. <laughs> I just figured, I, I figured since you were throwing a joke about Nanai Takahashi taking a fall here, yeah, I mean, who who eats the pinfall here? I guess if anybody, it's going to be Izumi. Or maybe we see maybe Julia, again, because she's on her way out. But who does she put over? I mean, I guess maybe Izumi would, would, would uh, get the most of it. 
And at the same time, we do have Suzu that wants to challenge Mayu for the IWGP championship. So maybe we get some interactions there. I just think with these eight women, again, the fact that you have a uh, the four, you have a, the ALK sisters on one team, Julia's been teaming with Suzu Suzuki, Shuri and Mirai, they're part of God's eye. And then you have the Queen's Quest uh, duo of Utami and Azumi. I just think there's too many moving parts in a good way for everybody to kind of get their stuff in, get the psychology in. And for the story to tell, for that to go less than 15 minutes. I would like to go for it to go 15 minutes because I think that's where we get the best match. So I'm going to say a time limit draw. You make a good point that uh, if anybody's going to eat a fall here, it's Nanai. I mean, Azumi. <laughs> Siri and Marai, the pot of God's eye. Um... <laughs> what are you doing, Rob Goodwin? Spinning all your favorites at Jack's Bar and Grill in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Lovely book. Amazing. After after party, that's what we're gonna do. Once we have Rob just polluted with Stardom Cast beer and shots of Jack Daniels around nine nine thirty, Rob is going to DJ a set that he won't remember until I wake him up at eleven o'clock to go to the TJPW show the next morning. So I forgot we were going to the TJPW show afterwards. Oh my god, am I don't make it. <laughs> I'll squat you up, my man. Don't worry about it. I'll get you there. Thanks, man. Um, so now we have got the two big matches, the two big title matches. Wonder of Stardom Championship match Sioriano taking on Starlight Kid in Sioriano's first title defense. First thing to note is that on this graphic that wonder of stardom belt is looking very battered. Um we need we need some titivating and some TLC to that white belt. Um again I think this is going to be a fantastic match. I think we've seen from the prelude tags just how good these two are together. Starlight Kid is a phenomenal talent and has phenomenal upside i feel like there is a very slim possibility that they would put the white belt on starlight kid here however it's going to be Sioriano. let's let's be perfectly honest here Sioriano is going to retain here in my head Sioriano retains until natsupoy comes back whether stardom will wait that long before taking the belt off a freelancer i don't know but that is in my head what we're gonna get i can see this one game 17 18 19 minutes and it being absolutely blow away you've got starlight kids speed and deceptive power as well and then you've got sioriano who is perhaps the most elastic person not called mayu iwatani on this entire roster it is going to be a very very exciting match However, for me, Sioriano makes her first successful title defense here. Rob, I agree. I think these last two matches, while they're the most predictable because they're both the V1s, I think they're going to be the best of the show. And again, I'm not one of those, oh, well, it's predictable who's going to win. That takes away my enjoyment. That's just, you're just foolish if that's how you think. And I feel bad for you. So uh, I agree with everything you said. This is going to be an absolute blow away. Uh, this is going to be just another phenomenal match in the history of the Wonder of Stardom Championship. This might be the match that we've been waiting for Starlight Kid to have since losing in 2022 to Sai Kamatani for the Wonder of Stardom Championship, where maybe she can kind of stay at that main event or co-main event level where she really, really belongs because she's so good. So I think Sayorianu wins this match, and my far-fetched prediction that pretty much won't happen is that Hazuki comes out, and then she just points up to the air, Everyone's like, what's she pointing at? And all of a sudden, the uh, Philadelphia WrestleMania logo appears. And it's not, it doesn't say WrestleMania. It says Stardom Mania. So there you go, buddy. <laughs> it's either going to be that or just the podcast artwork is going to go down. 
just like like a WrestleMania sign. It would look incredible. Let's be perfectly we'll honest. Su- yeah, we know some talented people. Maybe we can kind of superimpose that in, my man. Oh. This AI stuff that's coming out is crazy. So I don't know. Maybe we can figure that out. <laughs> that is true. Maybe that could be the next thing we do. Um, and then in your main event, the generational rivalry, the Red Belt match, World of Stardom Championship. Micah, the 17th World of Stardom champion, making her first title defense against the Golden Phoenix and her, as I mentioned, generational rival, Saya Kamatani. Um, This is going to be incredibly exciting. Um, It really is. I'm so, so happy to see Saya back. Um, Micah and this red belt just look right together. Um, The... If you think about where Micah was when Himika retired and how she literally post five star just took off, she really did just sort of soar into this main event spot. And I I do think Micah retains here, but I can't see it being long. In fact, it would not surprise me if they did with Saya Kamatani what they did with the white belt. So before Saya beat Tam at Dream Queendom for the White Belt, she had previously lost to Tam for the White Belt. It wouldn't surprise me if Micah defeats Saya Kamatani here, goes on a run, takes on, you know, four, five, six even tile defenses, and it comes to Saya again, and Saya takes the Red Belt. However, here, for this first tile defense for Micah, it has to be Micah. Rob, you very easily can do what they did at, with Julia two years ago, where at uh, World Climax Night 1, she lost to Sherry, and, and she went on to win the five-star Grand Prix and then defeated Sherry at the end of the year. You can very much do that with Saif. You know, why not? Copy and get in there. I think it works perfectly here. You have Micah. Again, I think Micah's going to win. You have Micah win here. Saya. Keep in mind, one half of the Goddess of Stardom Tag Team Champions with Utami, and they're doing phenomenal work. You just kind of focus on that until you get to the five star and then, you know, have Saya win that. And then at the end of this year, uh, that's your main event match. I've been mentioned before, Rob, my all-time favorite Micah match is her match with Saya Kamatani for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Micah has all this momentum, uh, obviously, since the uh, the start of the five star until right now, uh, is, a, is a better performer now than she was then. And she was great then, don't get me wrong. And again, that's my favorite. It's, it's a five-star match, in my opinion her match with uh, Saya for the Wonder of Stardom Championship back in the spring of 2022. Saya Kamatani since coming back is on a completely different level as far as the aura goes. Not that she didn't have it before, but there's just something about her now that she's been back. She just feels like such a bigger star. And we wonder, we talked about it before when we were kind of doing mini previews of this match, that Saya Kamatani did say that she needed to change her style up a little bit to avoid injury. Because she wants to be wrestling for quite a long time. We've seen that she doesn't do the 450 splash or the Phoenix uh, splash anymore. She hasn't since she's come back and she's done the Phoenix strike. I think there's any match where she's going to go to the top rope and do a risk, whether it's the uh, the Phoenix splash or the 450. It's got to be here because this is pretty much the biggest match of her career. Now, she has challenged for this belt before back at Budokan Hall at All-Star Dream Cinderella against Utami Hayashista, but she's a way, well more seasoned wrestler now than she was then. I don't think anybody can deny that fact. Um, if this match is just as good as that Micah versus Sai Kamatani match from 2022, we are in for a treat. 
but I fully expect Micah to hit uh, probably a series of Anko Toshi and maybe back-to-back Michinoku drivers to put Sayakamatani away. But um, again, those the two championship matches back-to-back, the Wonder and World, it's one of the many reasons why we love Stardom so much because these have the potential to be anywhere between four and a half to five-star matches back-to-back. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, you've said about um, Saya Kamatani not wanting to risk things. We did see her hit a top rope Frankensteiner in that um, 17th anniversary match. So, 17th anniversary. 13, <laughs> 13th anniversary match. So, you know, she is still breaking out those incredibly dangerous moves. Um, but, yeah, we'll we'll see what she brings out. I completely agree with you. It was how she beat. Cinderella tournament back in 2021 was with the Phoenix Splash. I think it would be poetic if she maybe loses this match, teetering on that top rope, looking for the Phoenix Splash that she knew beat Michael last time. And then maybe when it does come round to the rematch, that's how she beats her, just breaks out that nuclear finish um, that is the Phoenix Splash. All in all, though, Matt, this is going to be an absolutely phenomenal card. I'm very, very excited about it. Stardom, for me after a ropey year, has done very little wrong in the first month, um, what will be a month and a bit of 2024. And I do take, you know, I do put Dream Queendom 2023 in that as well, which was a great show and made all the right decisions. It does look like stardom is going the right way, and I'm very, very excited about that um before we talk about what is coming up next week matt it's only time for eo and Kyrie watch rob goon i am so glad that we named this segment eo and Kyrie watch because there's three shows we're going to talk about there was a lot of Kyrie, and the only thing that eo did was watch <laughs> i'm so proud of myself i went all day on that one my friend <laughs> anywho Okay, so we have three shows to talk about. We're going to talk about SmackDown this past Friday, the Royal Rumble, and Monday Night Raw from this past Monday. So, SmackDown, we have uh, Carter and Chance, the women's tag team champions, defending against the Kabuki Warriors of Kyrie and Asuka. So, uh, Carter comes out of the gate fast, fires off a quick dropkick on Asuka. We get great tag works back and forth from the champs. They eventually send Kyrie and Asuka to the floor. Chance, about two minutes in the match, is a beautiful corkscrew, corkscrew plancha onto the floor. Eventually, we uh, see Oscar and Kyrie able to rally after the commercial break. That's one of the things I don't like about commercials, but I understand they pay the bills because all of a sudden it comes back on and Oscar and Kyrie have, uh, have heat on Chance. Don't know how they got there, but regardless, I get it. I understand. It is a business, folks. Uh, Chance sends Oscar to the floor. Uh, Carter tags herself in, and then she hits a perfect plancha. To the floor, we get some back and forth, uh, some teamwork between both teams, some really, really good stuff. Eventually, we see Kyrie and Asuka hitting the phenomenal teamwork that they're all so no well for. They do this really cool spot where they have Carter in the middle of the ring, and Kyrie hits that sliding D, and uh, Asuka hits a sliding kick to the back. Really, really good stuff. The crowd is red hot uh, at this point. They're really kind of going back and forth, very much like an EO led Queen's Quest when she EO's supposed to be the heel. 
Io's so darn good that you can't boo her. This is very much like what is going on with damage control. You just can't boo. So a lot of the crowd, they're not booing Carter and Chance. They're more or less cheering Kyrie and Asuka. Again, it's really tough to get these, get them over his heels because they're so darn good, so entertaining. Kyrie goes for the insane elbow. However, Carter gets the feet up and just basically almost boots poor Kyrie into the face. Carter hits Asuka with a flatliner. Champs hit their uh, tag finisher, the cake stand, uh, for a two count. Um, Kyrie eventually breaks up the fall onto Asuka. Kyrie sends Chance to the floor. She hits a Tokyo slam onto the table. Uh, Asuka hits a brutal, brutal head kick onto Carter and eventually tags in Kyrie. Kyrie hits an assisted insane elbow to a huge pop. And an even bigger pop is when the ref counts to three. That's exactly what you want if you're a babyface team is to get the big pop on the finish and then a bigger pop on the three count, very much like we saw Micah with Suzu at Dream Queendom. And we have new tag team champions of Kyrie and Asuka, which is an absolute phenomenal match. And I advise everybody to go out of your way to go see it. Excellent stuff. Obviously, Kyrie and Asuka were huge fans of Carter and Chance. I've been a big fan of these two since they were Canizaro and uh, Carter back in the NXT days. And I knew when this match was announced, it would be good. And it was very, very good. Excellent, excellent match. We then go on to Sunday, the, uh, excuse me, Saturday, the Royal Rumble where Kyrie comes out number 11. She lasts all of about five minutes into the Rumble and she's eventually eliminated by the former champ, the champs, Carter and Chance, which eventually leads into something else. I'll get into a moment. I'm sure everybody's seen it because it's probably been gift to death where Kyrie was doing her best Kofi Kingston impersonation where she was hanging on to like the LED board on the apron. And I've seen that it's been superimposed with Batman's wings on and as well as the Tobey Maguire second Spider-Man movie when he's holding when he's holding the train. I was just like, you're going to compare any Joshi wrestler to Spider-Man. It may as well be Kyrie. I thought I was like, because they got rid of her, and I knew she wasn't winning, right? And I know we both figured that Bailey was going to win because that was the story. And I was watching this with my wife, and I was like, oh, my God, they're getting rid of Kyrie in five minutes? And I was like, oh, they're totally doing, like, the Kobe Kingston tease. Where are they going with it? And she held on, held on, held on, and then just dropped. And I was like, oh, but regardless, uh, and I thought it was cool because Carter and Chance, they it took the former tag champs, considering the fact that the belts changed on Friday, this show was Saturday. So they're kind of keeping something there where they were going on Sunday, I didn't know until Monday Night Raw happens. Again, a big uh, big thank you to our friend Darren Chatton, who sent me a message very much like he did last week, saying, hey, you need to watch Monday Night Raw because EO, not, uh, EO was on it because she was watching. Ha <laughs> ha. But the Kabuki Warriors were on. This was a women's non-title tag team match. And again, when I was when Darren told me the match was Asuka and Kyrie versus uh, Natty and Tegan Knox. I was like, this is going to be very good. Robis was not very good. Oh, Let's yeah. leave it at that. Yes, this for some reason, it just didn't gel. The crowd didn't care. Natty did a great job trying to, or she attempted to try to get the crowd involved. It just didn't seem like the, these teams gelled at all, which I did. I thought, I figured they would have because Natty and Oscar, they both worked at hard hitting, like, you know, shoot style wrestling. Tegan Knox, who has wrestled in stardom before and Kyrie's great. I figured they would have found a way, but it's just, it, let's just, again, the less said that was better. It just wasn't good. It just didn't gel. Maybe somewhere down the line, they'll have a rematch and they'll figure it out. I'm a big fan of all four of these uh, wrestlers. I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the Natty and Tegan Knox team. And again, obviously Kyrie and Oscar. Great. It just didn't work. 
However, after the match, uh, Carter and Chance in a backstage segment did say that they did talk to Adam Pierce. And next week on Monday Night Raw, it'll be Carter and Chance rematching Oscar and Kyrie for the Women's Tag Team Championship. So I'm excited for the rematch. Um, after the match, Bailey came out with all members of Damage Control. And then she was, I guess, looked like she was going to challenge Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley came out. We were able to see EO in the background. You know what she was doing, Rob? She was watching. Uh, Rhea Ripley came out, and then she was quickly jumped by Nia Jax, so we didn't get any official anything that what Bailey's going to do. But all all roads lead to that it's going to be EO versus um, Bailey at WrestleMania, because I think they're going to go with Becky versus Rhea Ripley for the uh, Raw Women's Championship. Now, Rob, I know this is the stardom cast. However, I do want to make mention... Punk and Seth Rollins was more than likely going to be main event on night one of WrestleMania. And I'm a firm believer whoever wins the Royal Rumble should always main event WrestleMania. Now it's a two-night deal. So I always say that the women should main event night one, the men should main event night two. And I've said that since this thing's been uh, two nights over the past few years. Am I just blinded by my love for one Io Shirai? Or now that the fact that we don't get Punk and Rollins, you think Io and Bailey should main event night one of WrestleMania? Um, uh, I do think you're blinded by your love for Io Shirai, but I don't think that's anything to do with it. Um, it, it does make sense. It's two nights WrestleMania. You've got two Royal Rumbles. It's always been a case of well, main event WrestleMania. Um, you know when they get rounded with that time on a tradition of calling it a special main event, second from the bottom or something. Um, I would like to see Bailey and Io as the main event of night one. Um, I think that's a story that they've told very well over the past couple of months. Um, however, if they're going to do a main event, I think it will be Rhea and Becky over Io and Bailey. Is that right for me? No, not just because I love Io Shirai, not because I'm a massive fan of Bailey. I just think that you've got two incredible stars in Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch. And I I just think the WWE would put them on top. It's That's that's what I think anyway. Good point. Good point. But, ladies and gentlemen, that does bring us nearly to the end of our podcast. As I said before, next week, Stardom are in Kyoto on Saturday in the gorgeous KBS Hall for Stardom in Kyoto. Um, That card has been announced. Of course, this is the night before the pay-per-view. We have got a three-way, which is Lady C, Maysera, and Sayaka Kurora. Uh, A tag match, we have got Hazuki and uh, Sayurida taking on Amisori and Saki Kashima. A six-woman tag, we'll see Mayu, Iwatani, Hanan, and Yuzuki take on the Godzai team of Syuri, Marai, and Rana Yagami. Um, in another six-woman tag, we've got Julia, um, Suzu Suzuki, Mei Sakurai, and Mei Sakurai's incredible hat taking on Natsukatora, Momo Watanabe, and Ruaka of Awenitai. Um, And then we've got two more white belt and red belt preludes um, with Sayori Anu and um, Yuzu- uh, Yuna Mizumori taking on Starlight Kid and Rina. And then on top, you've got an eight-woman tag, EXV, 
Maika, Mina Shirakawa, Wakasukiyama, and Hanako taking on the Queen's Quest team of Utami, um, Saikamatani, Azumi, and Miu Amasaki. So we will have next week our full rundown of the show from Takorazawa, which was on the 28th of January. We'll also have our rundown of the Kyoto show if it's up on Stardom World. And we will have our review of the 13th anniversary Stardom Supreme Fight 2024 show as well. So plenty and plenty to look forward to. Uh, next week we look forward to seeing you there but ladies and gentlemen we have reached the end of our podcast thank you so much for listening we truly do appreciate every single one of you um if you haven't already click subscribe on whatever podcast app you use we are literally everywhere if you're not already a patreon subscriber you can go and subscribe patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast for all sorts of bonus content and every episode of the stardom cast early and ad-free for as little as $1 a month. Uh, you can go check out the website, www.thestardomcast.com. We're everywhere on social media at The Stardomcast. If you want a free way to help out the podcast, leaving us a five-star review and a comment on the podcast app of your choice really, really, really does help us out. If you want to talk to me for some reason, um, then please feel free. I'm at Real Rob Goodwin on Twitter. Matt Turner, sign is off, good sir. Absolutely, folks. Questions, comments, I will be more than likely watching the pay-per-view live. Uh, so if you want to comment on it and uh, follow me along on Twitter, the best way to get a hold of me, Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter. Again, questions, comments, any suggestions for the live Stardom Cast show, just let me know. If you want to shoot me an email, perfectly fine as well. The StardomCast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Folks, that's going to wrap up another fun-filled episode. I hope you were phenomenally entertained as well as myself and Rob entertained ourselves. Uh, greatly appreciate the support. Cannot do the show without you because like I always say, just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all together. Everybody's special. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. Everybody's special. Yikes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>